Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> Can we make the intro a little longer so I have more time, Jeremy? No, because the more time we give you to prepare, that's how long it'll take you. <laughs> the more time I will yeah. waste. Yes. <laughs> so I'm actually going to make it shorter. I'm not sure if procrastination was a class in high school. If it was, I would have gotten an A. Oh, I, I ate that class for sure. Welcome to Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, 24th of March, 2014. Thanks for listening in. We are coming to you live from the home court. Here in Redondo Beach, where it is overcast and 59, which counts for a terrible, ugly, cold day, and that will be the end of the weather talk, or people will stop listening. People are building uh, fires in their uh, <laughs> chimneys, and I mean, like, same 55-gallon yeah. drums, yeah. huddling around 55-gallon yep. drums. Oh, yeah. We have a fun show planned for you today. We're going to do a little bit of beach stuff. For those that were listening last week, I'm not sure what happened. At the end of the show, there was a bonus hour. It literally felt like an hour. It was a bonus hour. Yeah. And then at the end, we said we'd be right back. Somehow the recording stopped. So that was it. Really? That was the end. We said we'd be right back. We played some music. And for some people, that was the end of the show. No. What we wanted to do was have some beach players on. We have reached out to several beach athletes over the last week looking to get them on the show to talk about the report that was not released, but gone over at the town hall meeting the week before. And it's been kind of a, a resounding crickets. Just a little bit. Some players I talked to uh, felt like they didn't know, have enough information yet to really talk about it um, with confidence at the moment. But uh, they said they would uh, look into it more and come talk to us. Here's what I don't get. We went over the report when it first came out. This is end of January, early February. I got about 30 pages in, yeah. Yeah, but you read the summary. Out of how many? 152, I think. (laughs) But you read the summary. Yeah. I read the summary and select other sections that I was interested in. We talked about it here on the show. Yep. They had the beach meeting, which I knew about somehow, and I'm not a beach player. And I only knew about because of you. Some beach players said they didn't even know about the town hall meeting. Yeah. A lot of people and I'm sure, that. I'm sure there are some players out there, some people out there blaming USA Volleyball for not getting the word out. <laughs> no, people, if you care, if you do more than complain, then you should know. If you're going to do more than complain, you should know. And you, if you don't, you should have already listened. If you are that interested, this affects your life. If you are that interested... You should have listened to the archive, which went up. And we beat USA Volleyball for not having it up last week. We beat them over the head. And they got it up. They got it up. Yep. It's available for listen. We posted it. Posted on our <clears throat> Facebook page. Um, so I'm hoping we have next Monday off, correct? Yes. So that's going to give people two weeks to listen to it, read the report, and uh, hopefully we'll have a beach player on whatever that date is that we're back. God, I hope so. I hope somebody cares enough to do more than just piss and moan. April 7th? 
because next week's the 31st, and then April – we're already oh, in April? Dude. Yeah. I apologize. I just looked at the calendar and <laughs> threw up in my mouth. <laughs> well, you like me. People ask me, you know, well, what are you doing next week? I go, uh, what day is it? Yeah. All I know is I work on this day, I work on the next day, I have a day off, then I work on the following day. I don't know the days of the week, I don't know the numbers. Because days don't matter. It doesn't. When it's, you're not working, it's irrelevant. When you're not working a 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, days don't matter. No, it's irrelevant. People, yep. The weekend means nothing. Yep. Except that I'm missing football games and stuff for my kids, which is not what I want to be doing. <laughs> but it's part of the job. You got to do what you got to do. Hey, you got to make money somehow. It allows me to be around here all week. But I, I want players to do more, and, and I've been there. I have been there, okay? I did this for a job. I did it as a complainer. Nothing was good enough. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Why don't you do this? This is the obvious solution. Just do it. I did it. I, I have to find, I will make an effort. I don't know where it is. I will make an effort Yeah. to find somewhere in my digital archives the... Diatribe. A letter that you uh, wrote to USAV? My grand plan. <laughs> I can't wait. Kevin Barnett's grand vision. Can we post this on the Facebook page too? For promotion of the national team. <laughs> and, and I think also a, uh, a haranguing of the national team and uh, those people that were responsible for the promotion of the national team. Yeah. So I, I had the complaining section. Yeah. And then I was conscious of the fact that you, you, have can't, a solution you can't just section? complain. I had a solution okay. section. All right. I deliberately. Yeah. Because I don't like just complaining. <laughs> Although I was doing it. My fault. So I will, I will make an effort to find that. It, okay. it has to be on a hard drive around here somewhere. Write yourself a note. Yes. I will. I, maybe I'll, just, I'll try and do it during a commercial. But this was me writing, hey, guys, this is easy. This is what you do. You do this. You do that. You do that. Typical 23, 24-year-old guy with a lot of time in Belgium by himself, thinking and solving the world's problems. Yep. And I think there's some okay stuff in there, but the thing you don't realize, until you're older, and until you take the time to get involved, which is what I did. I became the board representative for the players. I became the board representative, I think it was three years, maybe four three years, I think. Then you get in the room. You sit in the room and you're a part of the meetings. And you get to know the issues. And you get to see what some of the complicating factors are. You get to see the history of them trying the, quote, new idea you thought of 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and you start to understand what's going on. And that's not to say nothing is wrong. Because there's plenty of room for improvement, I think, in all organizations. And certainly USA Volleyball has its areas. It, it has needed to improve upon. It still has its areas and it needs to improve upon. And wasn't that the point of this report, is looking at itself to yes. see what it needed to improve on? Yes. But as we said last week, you have to look at the overall direction of something, not this isn't everything I want today. No, correct. Well, fine. But if it's along the path of that, mm-hmm. that's what you need. And, I, and so I want players to be better at follow through. And it's hard because you're so focused on your sport, your training. That's one of the reasons we have trouble getting athletes this time of the morning and during this show is because they're training right now. Yeah. If they're not on the beach playing, they're lifting. They are getting ready to play the season, which starts shortly. So I get that. I understand that. But I, I also want them to have the perspective of, fine, 
you don't like what the business people are doing, you can say you don't like it. Yeah. Don't think that you can do it better because you're not going to do it. You're playing. You're so focused on that, you're not going to do it. And that is a defense of the players, I will say this, that they are. When you're, I mean, obviously I've never been at that level, but you have, Kevin. Like when you're training to be the best in the world or you are on the team that is the top players in the country. of your country, that takes a lot of effort and dedication without a lot of outside distractions. I know you hear yeah. it a lot in football, like, oh, we can't have distractions. We can't have distractions. Um, but it is, obviously, because both of us are older, you can look back and be like, when things are affecting your future, like this Beach Report affects all the players' futures, regardless of what age they are currently. Correct. Um, but I do think it's hard to look outside your bubble that's why it is easier to complain because all you hear is certain snippets. And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't like that. Well, of course you don't because that's all you've heard, and it's understandable for you to complain about that. But it is also looking at the big picture. And, and again, if you're going to complain, like you said, I, I want to hear some solutions. And then, furthermore, be part of that solution. Correct. But to your point, and I 100% agree, Yeah. for an athlete to try and do – some of the administrative work or, or put in some of these solutions or be a part is so difficult because of the focus that these folks have to have. And it isn't people look at it and go, oh, these athletes, they only train you know, three hours a day. They only have practice. Then they have weights. Well, that's another hour and a half or whatever. Okay, that's like four and a half hours a day. That's nothing. Go, no. Okay, four and a half hours at a desk. You basically have three and a half hours left, right? Maybe you work a nine-hour workday. Yeah. Maybe it's four and a half hours you yeah. have left, right? Yeah. Let's say it's a reasonable professional thing. Maybe mm-hmm. call it ten hours. Yep. <laughs> you, have, you have that time left. That three and a half hours, or pardon me, four and a half hours of actual work takes out of you some massive percentage more than being at a desk. For sure. Being a professional athlete, the, the wear and tear on the body, which has an extreme effect on fatigue of the mind, fatigue of the person, uh, all that is far more than sitting at your desk for four and a half hours. They are imagining, people are imagining, oh, it's just four and a half hours. If I do four and a half hours at my desk, I can do you know, four and a half to six more hours. I mean, that's no problem. Well, guy. Guy. <laughs> it's not quite like that. Or gal. Let's, not not let's necessarily guy, not necessarily Guy Patterson who you're referring. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the other thing too is you have to factor in they're driving to these practices, strength training, um, you know, and then they also have you know their meeting. The training room. Don't forget the training room. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you're coming home and cooking your own meals. Somebody's not necessarily cooking all your meals for you. Then you have to run the errands that you normally run every day, like everybody else does. You know, it's these players are working. Their job is to train and become better athletes. They just their office is just different than your office. It's not like they go to the beach for two hours in the morning and they have, you know, twelve hours open for the rest of the day. They have a lot going on. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is not not an easy thing for the players to do. And that's why no, no that's why the player representatives I, I think take on an incredible amount of importance. And I liked when I when I stayed on as player representative after I retired. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty good spot to be because I have time to go to the meetings. I have time to think about the meetings. I had time to craft a retirement uh, policy that applies to players today. I had time to do those things and the energy to do those things. And I think that's a pretty good place to be 
for your athlete rep, to have somebody that's dedicated to being an athlete rep. Now, you need somebody that has that time because at the time it was a month of meetings throughout the year. Well, think about your family time too. A lot of these players have family and not just the significant other but children as well. So that's, you know, everybody who's a parent out there knows how much time that takes. Right. So when I my last four years on the team, I was coming home to one or at the end two kids. Yeah. That you hadn't seen in however long. All day. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand the, the what goes into a professional athlete's day. I would get up at 6. Mm-hmm. I would be at the training center by 6.30, get a quick bite to eat, be in the training room before 7. I would be in the training room until about 8, go out and have my hour and a half serve and pass session yep. from 8, 8.30 until about 10. I would go and lift after that. So now we're up to about 11.30. I go eat lunch. I would go down to the training room and ice. Then I would quick go home for an hour, come back for a 3 o'clock practice, practice until 6, and then I would go from 6 to about 6.45 or 7 with training afterwards, yep. stretching, massage, ice, just general cool-down rehab exercises, whatever it is I needed to accomplish that day. Yep. I get home at 7.15, 7.30 at night. And then all you want to do is lay down because your body's exhausted. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now, not only have have you put in the athlete, the athlete has now put in a 13-hour day, sure, 12-hour day, call it a 12-hour day, okay. 12-hour day, with an hour lunch, maybe, yeah, right where I drove home. <laughs> so I worked 11 hours, except I wasn't sitting at a desk. I wasn't checking groceries out. Yep. I wasn't holding a board meeting. Correct. I was jumping up and down. I was lifting heavy weights. I was doing a ridiculous amount of physical work that takes a physical, obvious physical toll, but a mental toll as well. You're on the what mon- do you have left? You're on the monkey bars during recess. You've got nothing left. Oh, I, bear- I have nothing left just listening to you. You're gassed. And that's six days a week, by the way. Yeah. Five days of that schedule. Then on the sixth day, you're coming in and going three-hour practice or three-hour scrimmage. That's why I always felt the players needed uh, a union. I know you have players' reps. I tried to organize that. It's tough. And I mean, that they've, it's been, uh, there's probably been at least two or three times since I've been around that that has tried to have been accomplished as well. I proposed that the athletes all tell each other what they made, that it be public information, at least public-private, public within the team. Like with sponsors and from stuff From USA like that? Volleyball and from their pro contracts. Okay. But public-private, meaning public within that group, not yeah. announced in the paper the way the NBA does it. Which I think is weird. It is weird. Um, but I proposed that. Yeah. That went nowhere. Why? What was your reasoning for that? Because then I think you have a marketplace to operate on. Because I never knew what the guy next to me made unless I happened to see a check or he happened to tell me or whatever. So you have no, no collective power. I'm with you on that. So I'm an up-and-coming player, and let's say I'm better than the veteran guy. The veteran guy is making five grand a month. I'm making a thousand a month. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Five grand a month? Oh, he's been here longer. Yeah, but I'm starting over him. That was always the argument with USAV when I got there. It was, well, you, you know, he's been here we pay longer. the veteran guys. We pay on on longevity too. And then as soon as I was, you know, when, as soon as I was playing really well, guy. right? And then as soon as I was a veteran guy, and I went through a period of time where I wasn't playing very well. Yeah. It was well, it's based on performance. Like what? You're like, wait what? a second. I remember this discussion from two years ago. <laughs> So, so I proposed that everybody knew what each other made, but there was some pushback against that. 
And you see it in a lot of sports. A union would help, but the concerns and the stuff that benefits the top-level players does yeah, not benefit, doesn't benefit them to tell the lower-level players what's going on. It takes money out of the top-level players' pockets at the end of the day. Prize money-wise. Prize money, salary, support, whatever. Yeah, not sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. But all the, all the collective community resources that get divvied up by a single organization. I'm with you on that. So it takes, I think, a pretty special group of people to say, I'm going to sacrifice for me now for you later. Also, to blow up the system. You basically want to change the system yeah. that is benefiting you if you're the veteran person. Well, it's also, I, I, I think as an athlete, someone who is focused on my main goal of life is to just be the best, whether that's win every tournament, win a gold medal, make the Olympics, blah, 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 to see the bigger picture outside of that and to see what you're going to do after you're done playing. Because I think it's hard to focus on more than one thing when you're trying to be that elite. Yeah, you can't do it. And that's always been one of my problems with Tough. with the USOC's organization where they used to have a rule that you had to be in school full-time or working. It's tough. I'm like, <laughs> seriously? Well, especially when the demands, like I think about some of these college kids that are in the uh, NCAA tournament right now, how much demands, how much practice time and all that stuff they have. Yeah. But they are expected to be going to school as well at the same time. Unless you go to Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> or went to Arkansas, I should went. say now. Yeah, past. During the Nolan Richardson yes, era. Yes, yes. Hey, a graduation rate of 0%. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did just get some breaking news by text message, Kevin. Yes. The AVP schedule yes. is going to be announced today, probably around 11 a.m. Yes. During our show. Yes. So we will uh, be able to discuss that. We will have Todd Goronsky, runs Bradford Beach up there in Milwaukee. Yep. We'll have him on the program at 11.30 following that announcement. I have some pre-information. Yes, if you wish to read it during yes. one of our breaks here, that uh, that has been sent. You know, I just realized Todd had sent me a couple of messages on Facebook that I had not replied to. I will have to apologize to him uh, when he's on the show. To whom? Todd. Todd. Yeah. yeah. Facebook's a little sketchy for me. Like, if you send me a Facebook message, I don't always get notified. I get notified like half the time. I get or notified, so. but here's the thing: like, I don't check that all the time. So once I look at it. Like emails I can mark as unread so I know to go back to them. Mm-hmm. Facebook messages, not so much. Speaking of which, I got to follow up with Canyon. Canyon Seaman? Yeah. You need to go to uh, Russell? I uh, need to go to WWE. Nice. In Washington. Can't wait. Big smile on the face of my son downstairs. Yes. Cause he, he He'll is. be joining us in a little while. Reese <laughs> Barnett will be making his first Net Live appearance. We were thinking Reed Pretty might be here, but Who? it's not going to happen. College Volleyball Weekly will happen, and that's going to be a good one. There were some good matches out there, man. There was a, there was some good stuff happening. Nice. That should be fun with Jay and Robbie. Looking forward to that. I was looking at the UCLA schedule. There's not that many uh, matches left before the tournament starts, huh? We are coming down to it. Wow. We are coming down to it. Just a couple of weeks left because tournament has to start, what, about mid-April? Yeah. MPSF tournament. Mm-hmm. And then to get into the national scene. So I have this week, I will be up at Stanford. I have Stanford Pepperdine happening, and then I have Stanford-USC. I think it's actually the other order. Yeah, it's USC on Thursday, Pepperdine on Friday at Stanford. So I'm looking forward to those two matches because Pepperdine and SC both picked off Long Beach State this past week. Oh, interesting. I remember that was happening. I hadn't had a chance to look at anything yet. but uh, Long Beach have been tearing it up. Yeah, that's a big win. Flat tearing it up. Interesting. And both those teams beat them back-to-back. 
this past week. So those matches will be good up at Stanford. Critical matches, I think, for all those teams. USC has risen to fifth in the MPSF. Yep. They were... They've had some big wins lately. Yeah. They've been playing well. They've been playing well. Pepperdine also has been playing some exceptional volleyball as of late. Your favorite school? Uh, yeah. I cheer for the Waves. Yeah, as you should. Uh, Stanford. I, I think Stanford is the most dangerous team. That's why I think these two matches are so compelling coming up Thursday, Friday at Stanford at Maples Pavilion. I think these are very compelling matchups because Stanford, to me, is the most dangerous team out there. I think with most of these other teams, you know what you have. You know at Long Beach, it's Taylor Crowd. Yeah. And you hope Ammerman plays well if you're a Long Beach fan. Because if Ammerman doesn't play well, if it's just Crab and somebody gets all over Crab, that's it. Gotcha. You're done. And all you have to do to get Crab is, like, circle around him because, you know, he's got the claws and he can only go sideways. He's not very good at turning around. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, too early for that kind of joke, Kevin. USC, it's a known quantity. They need Tanner Jansen at the opposite to go off. They have Lucas Yoder, who's having an exceptional freshman year, freshman of the year, in my opinion, Lucas Yoder at USC. They have those two guys. They don't have a lot else. So they need those two guys to go off. Pretty easy to predict what would happen with them and and the way to approach USC. Yeah, yeah. UCLA, no opposite. They lack an opposite. They were freshman over there who was hitting one-something. And just not getting it done. They are riddled with injuries. Robert Page been out as of late. I haven't checked this week to see if he was back at all. They've had setter issues. They've had all kinds of problems. They, at one point this last week, I think I said on the show, they had a, a libero setting and a setter hitting outside. Good times. So UCLA kind of hurting. But even then, when they put people out, you know it's Gonzalo Quiroga and, and Robert Page. But you like UCLA, you still, they're not a walkover. No, no, no. If they are healthy. UCLA, a contender, national champion. Yep. Could make a run. Gotcha. Trying to think of the other good teams. UC Irvine. <laughs> Who knows? I haven't seen him in a while. I saw him a ton at the beginning of the year. Yeah. They played three different setters on purpose, not because of injury, just on purpose. Yep. They, I, I think they really lack some hitters. I think Zach LaCavera said has been playing well as of late. We can ask Robbie about that when he's on here. But they have some problems. Jeremy Dano, I think, was improving. I haven't looked at his numbers lately. On the outside. But you pretty well know what UCI can do. BYU? BYU, Taylor Sander. And then they have another outside hitter whose name is escaping me currently. Because uh, it's, it's an odd name. Guy playing outside form is pretty good. He's a Puerto Rican player. I'll look it up here while we're at it. But BYU, really, uh, I think one of the more complete teams. Uh, Jay says Jose Rivera? Josue. 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 That's why I mean I knew the pronunciation was a little weird. Josue Rivera, yes, that guy. Uh, but they have some real questions. Otherwise, they have some questions kind of in the middle. Uh, their setter's pretty good. I like their setter, but they—I don't know. BYU's got some questions. But Stanford's a team that has could potentially have all of that or none of that. I think Stanford has underperformed so far this year, and I think the Stanford that we're seeing as of late. And this will be the test right here. This yeah. week will be the test. Yep. I think the Stanford we've seen as of late is an awfully threatening team. James Shaw has been playing exceptionally at the setter. Conrad Kaminsky in the middle is pretty darn good. Denny Falls in the middle, serviceable, pretty good player. They can get it done in the middle enough. But then they have Irvin and Cook at the outside. This is first and second team All-Americans last year. have been putting up first team All-American numbers this year. And Eric Mahalski pinning down the opposite spot that senior. Uh, he's been pretty good. They need him to be good. You can count on Irvin and Cook to be good. They need Mahalski to be good. 
But that, to me, is, is one of the most complete rosters out there. They have the setter. They have an opposite who's capable, two very good outside hitters, and two consistent middles. I don't know that on paper anyone else is better. But they've gone, Stanford has got, if I remember correctly, went um, a lot of five-set matches this year, right? Lost lost them all. Yeah. So you win a few of those, people are talking about you a little bit more. Correct. Yeah. You win a few of those, and they are at the top of the MPSF. Gotcha. Yeah, they... I haven't looked in the last couple of days. Obviously, I will this week. But they had lost at one point five five-set matches. They lost to UCLA twice, UC Santa Barbara, Long Beach State, and BYU. All in five. And all legitimate uh, opponents. All the top-level competition, yeah. So we, I was looking at them a couple of matches ago, and I'll, I'll pull up their record here in a second. But a few matches ago when I had them facing off with, let's see here, UCLA. Yeah, I think it's UCLA. No, it was after the UCLA match. It had to be they were facing somebody else. My book's a little out of order here. But when I had Stanford, they if you had won two of those five-set matches, remember they had five five losses. If they'd won two of them, they would have been eight and three. If they'd won four, they would have been ten and one. Is that your doorbell? Yeah. Okay. Reese, get that. Uh, they would have been ten and one in the conference. They would have been solidly up top. The MPSF. Yeah. Now, it's always what-ifs. You can play those what-ifs. But of we're, course. we're talking about just a few points. We're not talking about, hey, these are 3-0 sweeps. These guys got blown out. And, yeah, oh, what out. if they won that match? They didn't get rolled. No, these are five-set matches where they were, they were in it. They were up 2-0 in some cases. Yeah. It's, it, we're not talking about some, some very weirdo circumstances that would make it different. We're just talking about a few points here and there going their way. And all of a sudden, Stanford is king of the MPSF. So I think right now it's easy for teams to underestimate Stanford based on based on their record. Based on their record. Right. So that's why I think they're the most dangerous team because they they're 14 and 7 overall. They're 8 and 3 at home. They're 5 and 4 away. And this past week they beat Hawaii twice. Back on March 14th and 15th. Yeah. So they've had about a week off. They've, they'll have some time off here before this USC and Pepperdine. They have uh, no matches until Thursday, Friday this week. Then they have Pacific and Cal BAP. They should be able to walk over those two. Now, UC Irvine should be a great match. Then they have UC San Diego, which should be a walkover. So they really, after this weekend, they really only have one tough match, and that'll be at Irvine. Because home against Pacific, home against Cal BAP, I'm going to count those right now win. But then they need to win against Irvine to get a better seat. Yeah. Yeah, let me uh, let me pull up this, the MPSF standings here and take a look at it. I mean, we're going to talk about this more obviously when we get the guys on, uh, but I will try and give these a look here while we're on. But I, I think it's getting interesting. It's getting to be getting to be good playoff time here, good playoff scenarios um, for these teams. And I think uh, from looking at everybody's schedule and how everybody's playing, I think there's no like one clear cut team that you're like, okay, that's the team that is going to win. Everybody's vulnerable. Yeah. BYU in conference, 16 and 2. Pepperdine 14 and 5. They're in second. Long Beach 12 and 6, tied with UC Santa Barbara at 12 and 6. UCLA or USC is sole position of 5th right now. UCLA and Stanford are tied at 11 and 7. They're in 6th place. See, I don't think that's indicative of how good Stanford is. And UCLA with the injuries has been going the other direction. Yeah. UC Irvine is currently 8th. Hawaii 9th. So Hawaii would be out right now. Wow. UC Irvine could easily be out 
because they are one match short of Hawaii. Interesting. Irvine's 11 and 8, Hawaii 11 and 9. Got to look at Irvine's upcoming schedule and see where they are. So this is this is the time when you start playing. Hey, they're mathematically limited, or they can't get to this, or yeah. you know, this is yeah, this yeah, is where yeah. the Detroit Lions get sent out. You know that they're not going to make the NFL playoffs. <laughs> playoffs, playoffs. So we know they have Stanford left, right? We know UC Irvine has Stanford. This could be a good match. They have Cal State, Northridge, Long Beach State. Northridge is dangerous. They have Long Beach State. Both those matches at UC Irvine. Then they have UC San Diego, Stanford, and Pacific. So they have three good matches left. They're coming off a loss 3-0 to BYU. Gotcha. But they have three important matches remaining. So you got to look at their schedule versus Hawaii's schedule. All very interesting stuff. I like it. It's going to make for a good, uh, good playoff run. I was in Toronto this weekend. Yeah, you shared some photos of uh, curling. Unfortunately, <sighs> unfortunately, it wasn't you curling. I could... We tried. I know. No, we, I know. We made did. every effort to go. I know. Cam Kerr and myself made every effort to go. Yep. We tried our best, but we, we couldn't get it done. It's that popular. It's like trying to go bowling well, on you a said, Friday night that's in the what Midwest. You said. Friday night, like it's league night, so it's not like you can just roll up and like, hey, can I get a lane? No, they have league, and then they also have they have the the beer league that follows couldn't the late you, night beer league. Couldn't you have used your celebrity and been like, hey? I'm Kevin Barnett from the Net Live. I know all of you know about me up here in Toronto. Can I just get one throw just to see and watch me fall on my face? Oh. Because even Paul Baxter was making fun of you, thinking that you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to sweep standing up. That's basically what he was saying. Not a chance, Kevin. You two are ridiculous. There's not a chance. You're underestimating my chance. athletic capability. Do I just put in a tape of me playing? You're on ice. I'm going to put in a tape me playing. I'm from the Midwest. I don't care. I went to school on ice uphill both ways. When was the last time you walked on ice? Uphill both ways to school. <laughs> in 1939? <laughs> what year was that? <laughs> I don't care how athletic you are. It has nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah. That's like my buddy who thought he was super athletic, and he's like, oh, I'm going to come out here and smash you in volleyball, cause I've, but I've never played it before. Okay. Couldn't pass, Kevin. That's uh, technical proficiency. This is no. not a technical yes, sport. Yes, it is. He is super athletic. Walking on ice is not technical. Sweeping and walking on ice and throwing a rock is difficult. I can I can sweep on ice. You're, I can, when, wh- you have special shoes for crying out loud. Is it in Van Nuys? Is that where it is? Yeah. Okay. Hollywood or something. I will. We will organize a trip. Yes. I wish Cam Kirk. We can see if Cam Kirk can be here. He can fly in. Yeah. I was in Toronto. We went to our pizza place. Nice. And uh, completely redesigned. But we... We go in. They have three TVs, two behind the bar, one in the main room. All of them are on curling. Yeah. No NCAA. No hockey. Curling. Oh, that's a good call by Cam. We can time it when the FIVB is in Long Beach. Yes. The next morning, come down, waiting to go to the race. Now, this is a very cool arena. If you're going to go to a place, be a baseball game or Canadian football game, or or you want to go to Supercross, let me know. But go to the Rogers Center in Toronto because they have the hotel attached to the arena. And, and by attached to, I mean the it's outfield part of it. are the rooms. So people sit in their rooms and watch the race. Awesome. It's unbelievable. That's now, awesome. I didn't get one of those rooms because those are like premium rooms. Yeah. But they also have a, a hotel bar and restaurant that overlooks the race. It's incredible. That's really cool. So I came down in the morning. And I'm looking at the track and waiting for my guys. And there's a TV next to me. I look up. Sure enough, curling's on again. 
That's when I took the other picture. So curling was on constantly up there. It's like football. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Saw a great shot by the Canadian women, too. It was awesome. Now you know all curling lingo and stuff. Well, I know a, a bonspiel. I don't know. A, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I meant to write it down, what a bonspiel was. Oh, so you throw the word out? You don't even know what it is? I, I texted you guys, I think. Let me uh, look here. No, you did not text me. I did. I sent bonspiel to you. No. Cam's on. He's going to define bonspiel for us. It's a curling tournament. That's what it was. Bonspiel. A bonspiel. We could not have our bonspiel. It still to me sounds German. I forgot that uh, you were in Toronto. You told me you were at dinner with Cam, and I thought you were referring to uh, Cam Green of USC assistant and the Suicide Doors conga drummer fame. Right. That's who I thought you were referring to at first, because I forgot that you were in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in Canada. He is uh, Cam Green, though. Cam Green is appearing May 16th and 17th at the Smith Center with Greg Bonham, father-in-law. It was a big deal, by the way. Big deal. Yeah. Two nights in Vegas. May 16th and 17th. So get out there and see it. His wife, Rebel, will be excited. I would love to go to that, Rebel. but I will, I will be in Utah for a wedding that weekend. Utah. Utah. Give me two. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a story for you. I, I fly to Toronto, and this is, this is one of those travel stories. It's just awesome. Fly to Toronto. Yep. Direct? Yeah. Cool. Not on the way home, though. That, yeah. was, that sucked. Fly to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Get in. There are cabs and limos you can take. Limo is a little more expensive than a cab. Yeah. By 10%, somebody told me. Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I just want a line. Get me to the freaking hotel. It's like a 35-minute drive, 45-minute drive yeah. to downtown. After from, you've flown from the and gone through customs, like, I just want to get to my hotel. Yeah, just get yeah. me out of here. I'm with you. So I'm waiting in line. Uh-huh. Whatever. It's long. I've been there before. Yep. When I was in my 20s, I'd be raging. What the yeah. hell with this line? There's cabs. Nothing you can do about and it. And I heard somebody go, oh, there's shift cabs here. You know, at the <laughs> airport. And I'm with you. But at the same time, I- I've been in this line. 50, 60 times yep. in my life, you know. Only so much you can do. So I'm stuck in the line. Get to talking to a guy. Turns out it's the roommate of the former setter of Ohio State. Nice. A couple years ago. Nice. National championship players. And Fly all the way. Jay to, can put it up. Who was the setter, Jay? Or Fly all the way to Canada. You get in line next to another volleyball player. Next to a guy who knows, who rooms with a volleyball player. That's fine. Yeah, can't get away. So he and I are chit-chatting about this. We're both going downtown. Downtown very compact in Toronto. So we're thinking about sharing a cab. Guy comes up from behind me, Pakistani driver, and he goes, uh, you, need, you need to go downtown. Well, yeah? Yeah. He goes, oh, you need downtown? This guy, Will, I think his name was. He said, uh, Kehoe, exactly. Thank you. So Steve Kehoe's roommate says, yeah, I need to go downtown. He says, come with me. Okay. So we, oh, we go with this guy. Oh, boy. He has two girls already, two young 20, 20-something girls. <laughs> we go up. Now, now, it's constructed just like LAX, where there's an upper and a lower level. Yeah. Arrival Drop and off. departure, yep. right? Mm-hmm. In LAX, it's illegal to pick up up top. Correct. I imagine in Toronto, it's the same. Probably. Normal rate, $65, flat rate to downtown for a taxi. Yep. Okay. We go upstairs, we get in the cab, we're driving away. We're driving out of the airport. Is it a legitimate cab? I don't know. The guy has his license. Look, I'm licensed. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We're yeah. in some, it, it looks beat up. It's a beat up old crappy van. Yeah, yeah, could yeah. Be, could be okay. a cab. We drive out. As we're going out, the guy in the back asks, well, how much? Yeah. We should have asked that before. Before you got in. How yeah. much? With you and the two girls. The guy says $65. I said, oh, okay, whatever. That's the flat rate. Downtown, $65. But no. He meant each. He says, no, no. $65 you, $65 you, $65 you. To the two girls. Like yeah. They were going to get to share. Yeah, because they're girls. And the guy in the back's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. 
No way, dude. Sixty-five dollars each. So do the math on that. Sixty-five dollars times three. That's yeah. nearly two hundred bucks. Yeah. I'm in the front seat. I look at him. I go, dude. It's sixty-five dollars. One ride downtown. That's it. It's sixty-five dollars. Everybody. Or I'm getting out of the cab right now. Yeah. He, or your personal van. Now this guy back and forth, back and forth with the folks in the back, and and I said, dude. I just looked over and I said, hey, this is not going to work out for you. <laughs> you think you're charging everybody in here $65 a piece? That's not working out for you. <laughs> then he starts dropping F-bombs. Nice. This is a long ride, by the way. We are five minutes into a 40-minute ride in traffic. Arguing with the person who's supposed to be driving you in a foreign country. And I am, I am like, this is not happening. Go ahead. And so he's, he's dropping F-bombs and this and that. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? What are you effing going to do? And so... So I said, hey, we'll get out of the cabin downtown, and you can, you can try and call the police. You can deal with that. Yeah. So he has no recourse at all. Yeah. He's an illegal cab. Yes. He thinks he has us by the balls. He picked you up in his personal van. We got him by the balls, as yeah. a matter of fact. So I'm sitting there. With two working girls. I have two Belgian chicks behind me. Turns out they're from Antwerp. Okay. So I start talking about Mosaic. Of course you did. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Mosaic. So we go back and forth. I'm like, do you know where Mosaic is? And they, go, they go, oh, Mosaic. Like yes, yes, mosaic. I'm white and sorry not for hitting the A correctly, correctly. (laughs) the the double A. So I'm wondering myself, how am I going to communicate with these girls and my buddy Will in the back now about the plan? Of how you're all just going to get out and because I can't uh, text them, I don't have service in Toronto. It costs eighteen dollars to send a text, right? In Canada, plus they're working girls. You don't want them to have your phone number. So I decide, all right, I'm going to type in notes. So I hand this back. Oh, nice. Here's the plan. Yeah, go ahead. We all go to the Marriott. I will pay the 65 You guys can walk, or I'm sure get cabs for far less than 65 from the Marriott to wherever you need to go. We can get this taken care of with one stop, 65 total. So I, I hand that back. As I hand this back, the guy starts flipping out, the driver, because he has no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. So the girls read it. Will in the back, I guess, because they hand it back to me. I said, is Will on board? He goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so this guy starts going, what would you do? What would you do? You you you're the effing hero? You were the hero? Why is this guy he's he's very high strung. He is out of control, <laughs> dude. So he's got he's sitting at the chair and his right hand is down by his his uh leg oh, yeah. in a fist. What are you guys going to fight in a van? Dude, I don't know at this point cuz he yeah. is so hot. Yeah. I don't know. On his 36th F bomb. And I'm not really talking to him. Yeah. I'm sort of ignoring him. I'm telling him and then so I told him we're all going to the Marriott. You're making one stop at the Marriott. Drop yeah. us all off. Well, you don't know each other, this and that. The girl in the back goes, no, we're all going to have a drink. I said, yeah, man, you come to Toronto, you meet some good-looking girls, it all works out. <laughs> so so he's, he's just F-bomb after F-bomb. We start getting into downtown. This is you know, this is a long ride, so I'm chit-chatting with the girls and with Will about this and that, so I find out about Kehoe and so on. And so I said, look, there's a Rogers Center. We need to go to the Rogers Center. Oh, you need to go there? Go to the Rogers Center and drop us off. So he gets off. We're in traffic. We pull up. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm, there's no way in hell I'm giving my credit card at this point. No, That's no. what I normally do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we pull up. We all pile out. He's cursing like crazy. Still. I have 60 in American cash. I get five bucks from Will. Yeah. Like, all right. So, and, and you could tell the age of Will and, and the girls. Yeah. Because Will says to me, he says, well, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about a tip, but then when he started dropping F-bombs, like, that sort of went out the window. I'm like, hey, Will, the tip went out the window a long time ago, yeah. bud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he started cursing at us. <laughs> yeah. I think his name was Will. Anyway, so, so I go and I give the 65 bucks, which 
honestly, I could have given him 20. Been like, hey, we're being fair to you right now. Yeah, 65. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. lucky we're being fair to you. I deducted you five bucks per F-bomb. I give him $65. He... At, he's shouting out the windows as he's backing up. Oh, yeah. F-bombs and the girls go, have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> These four girls, they're going to a hostel. They're doing like the Toronto, New York, Miami, Washington, D.C. All with a backpack. We're Belgian. Yeah, we're yeah. cruising kind of thing in our early 20s. Yeah. So this is how their whole thing started. They had just flown in from Belgium. Lovely. This is the start of their Lovely. trip. Awesome. I'm like, so I was waiting. Bye, girls, because there were a couple of uh, yeah. cabs right there. Yeah. Good luck to and you. And Will came in, and he was using the Wi-Fi. I'm sure his hotel was like two, three blocks away. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's just dropping mad F-bombs on us. That was your uh, intro to Canada. Yes. Bienvenue a Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you couldn't go curling. You could not go curling, but had a good dinner with, uh, with Cam Curse. So that was a lot of fun. And then, of course, did Supercross. Drink. So, yeah, good good weekend overall. And uh, moral of the story, do not take a cab from upstairs if you fly into Pearson Airport. Well, anywhere you shouldn't be taking a cab that's not in the normal cab line. No, he had a credit card machine, so he was... Of course he did. He may have been a cabbie. So do I. I have the swipe thing <laughs> the on my square. iPhone. Yeah. yeah, you can start giving rides. Maybe yep. just drive down LAX after this and make $185 or whatever. $195, actually. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Sixty-five each. Each. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just and, and the thing is, when he had his fist there, I literally was ready. Cause he, was, he was that hot. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. But if he goes for it, yeah, you can't back down. I just spent the last two two hours of my flight, my four hour flight from L.A. to Toronto, watching Out of the Furnace. It's Hunger Games at that point, Kevin. You gotta do what you gotta do. You seen Out of the Furnace? I have. It's a little depressing, but you gotta do what you gotta do. It's gritty. Yeah. Bare knuckle brawl film. Oh yeah, I am. I've been I've been training for two hours <laughs> mentally. I am prepared <laughs> to go all Woody Harrelson on him. Yeah, like if you want to go, we will go. Yeah, it's no problem. I'm picturing this guy not very tall, the cab driver. No, kind of a heavy fat guy. Okay, but I mean with his fist like that, and I'm I'm literally looking. I'm doing the old uh, roadhouse. Roadhouse to bring it back around to us, you know, left boot. Yeah, 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 blade left boot or whatever, yeah. right? I'm looking to see because does he have a blade or something? This guy is that irate. What is it? It's like always be nice until it's time not to be nice. <laughs> right, <something> exactly. Like <laughs> so I'm I'm in that situation where I don't know what's going to happen, but I am mentally prepared. Your fist is balled up right now. You're ready to go. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, all right, I will I will block and I will just it will be on. <laughs> Jeez, uh, good times. I will throw elbows. I will not. I will not take a dive. I don't fight. I fight dirty, just in case anybody's wondering. Because there's no rules at that point. I don't want to fight. Well, neither do I. But if we're, if we're doing it, like, we're doing it. If somebody gets a hold of me and doesn't knock me out, it's going <laughs> to be game on. You better kill me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, not saying it's necessarily like that. If it's like, you know, somebody decides that George Romain attacking me, it may not work out for me. But Oh, no, you're not. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to survive. I'm not looking for trouble. Nope. But if trouble comes a knocking, I will do my best to be ready. Good times. Yeah. Wow. So that was my uh, that was my start to Toronto. That was fun. Hey, we have uh, a bunch more net live to go here today. We will have Todd Goronsky on here. The AVP schedule coming out publicly here in about 17 minutes. We will have discussion of that. Jeremy and I will peruse our information here peruse. at the break. We'll have College Ball Weekly with Jay and Robbie coming up just momentarily, and that, and we'll have uh, we'll have Reese check in. Yeah. Nice. We'll ask him. On spring break, by the way, for two weeks. Two weeks of spring break. Because other his sibling is not pleased. Remember the show. We're going to be off next week because I'll be in spring break, Washington, D.C. Jeremy Rochet territory. That's right. Right back here on the net line. If you think you want-
Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. I want to make sure we thank the American Volleyball Coaches Association as well as Volleyball Magazine for being a part of our program. EVP. Yep. 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Schedule coming out. We will have Todd Goronsky on here on the program. We also have College of Volleyball Weekly coming up. And we want to make sure we are recognizing a new sponsor we have here on the show. We have a new sponsor, and I want you to patronize their stuff. I do. I'm wearing it right now. You are, actually. I uh, I wear it daily. I'm excited about it. It's uh, 6-8 Clothing. 6-8 Clothing. Spell it out for the people. S-I-X, the number 8, and C-L-O-T-H-I-N-G. We will, let's get their site posted on our social media. We'll get that put up there. And we're excited to bring 6-8 Clothing out and be a part of our broadcast here. 6-8 is for people about, you know, it says 6-8, but really, if you're 6-4 or above, this is something that, that you are going to love. If you know someone who is 6-8 or above, this is something you're going to love. It's a new men's apparel company out of Seattle, Washington. They're designing and producing casual clothing for the tall and athletic man. So this is not not just the fat. Not just the tall man, but no. tall and athletic. No more do you have to wear a shirt that's twice as wide as it needs to be. That's the bottom <laughs> line, just because you're tall. No more do you have to push your jeans down to a dangerously low level. <laughs> that's you how know. the kids are doing it. You don't want to show any cleavage down there, just, just to make your inseam appear somewhat normal. No more do you have to roll up the sleeves on your so-called long-sleeve shirt, even though it's five below zero out. Dress well, live tall, 6-8 Clothing Company. Available online at www.68clothingcompany.com. And that's spelled six, the, six, the word. The word six, the number eight, and then clothingcompany.com. And we will get that up on our, on our site. Check it out because this is what we need, man. Tall people, if you have a tall nephew, a tall niece, a brother, a son, a daughter, or son, pardon me, I don't want to be women's clothes yet. If you have... Someone who's tall in your life, 6'4 or above, and they've been looking for well-designed, nice-fitting shirts as well as pants. 6'8 Clothing Company has you covered. I wear their stuff. I really like it. You can get XLT. You can get XLXT. You can get LTs, LXTs. So you can have that's extra tall. That's a large extra tall. Wow. Not just long, large tall, large wow. extra tall for you. I remember you uh, going to their booth when we were in Seattle. I was pumped. Yeah. I'm still pumped. I'm looking good right now. Clothing that fits. You know, that's, that's what I'm – I get excited about clothing that actually fits me because I get it. I understand most mass marketers, Banana Republic, back oh. in the day. I love Banana Republic stuff. Didn't fit me. No, because you're not the norm. No, I am not the norm in so many ways, but especially mm-hmm. size. So if you have a tall person in your life – and you were wishing that they could dress better, especially from the jeans, man. How about a 34, 38, 34, 36, 34, 38, 34, 40? You want some of that tall and lean? Because I'll tell you what, I can go to the store and I can find a, a 40, 38. Who the hell is that? 40, 38? 40, 36. Fantastic. I am fat and tall. At 68 Clothing Company, you don't have to be like that. You are athletic. It I like that. Casual clothing for the tall and athletic man. So please check them out. Support them for supporting this show. Recommend them to your teams. I know you guys have teams out there. Jay Hasek, 6-8 Clothing. You ought to be sharing that thing, man. It's affordable. It's exciting. And 
you need to get out there and do it. We will have, we will post on our Facebook page. We'll get some stuff out there, some discounts for NetLive listeners with 6-8, unfortunately. So welcome to them. College Ball Weekly still to come here on the NetLive. AVP schedule still to come here on the Net Live, and we try to get beach players, man. And we will continue efforting to get the beach players in here to hear about their upcoming season. This is this is kind of the middle of the year. You know, we'll uh, we'll get some college coaches in here shortly and talk to them about their year, but this is kind of the middle of the volleyball season. We're just hanging out. Yeah, it'll start to pick up here soon when college volleyball gets into the playoffs and. Uh... You know, the beach season is supposed to pick up. I think the FIVB, FIVB starts the end of April, I think, is the first tournament that the players will be going to. Um, and then we'll know about the uh, AVP schedule here momentarily. We can talk about that. We will. Well, there you go. Yeah. The whole show. Should we go to another break? <laughs> Done. <laughs> and, oh, boy, man. I hope Todd can interview himself and that the College Bible Weekly can handle their own because I'm out. I look at some TNL topics here. Oh, sand. We haven't we haven't done some sand volleyball enough. It just recently started, right? Yeah, it, it's gotten underway. Cal has a team this year. Yep, USC just got back from Hawaii. Yeah, there, there's a lot of action going on in the world of sand, and and I think it's something we haven't necessarily paid enough attention to. Um, I, I know I've been talking to people around the volleyball world. They love the fact that that it's happening. Well, that each year it is growing. Oh, immensely. Yeah. Yeah, it's astonishing how quick it's growing, as a matter of fact. Um, I, and, and people keep saying, will it ever apply to the men? The simple answer is no, it will not. You don't think so? No, never. You don't think they'll ever get... No. What? Never. How can you say never? Because I don't think people are letting go of the Title IX issue anytime soon, and that's what it would take. But let me ask you this, though, then, if that's the case, what is going to happen for our... Man on the on the Olympic side, then, because <laughs> isn't that the best feeder system at this point? Like you had these kids doing it in college. It was part of that report. Yeah, part of the beach report was was glowing about the emergence of sand for women, and what that's going to do to revolutionize the playing of beach volleyball, sand volleyball in the United States for that's, women. That's why I think never is a. Uh... I'm gonna say right now, as a collegiate sport, Division One. Yeah. Collegiate sport? Yeah. Never. Interesting. Never, ever. The powers that be will not let you add a men's sport for any reason. Interesting. Okay. Well, and uh, now I'm really depressed and I'm out. It bums me out too, but I'm, that's it. I, I don't care what anybody else tells me. If it happens, I will be absolutely astonished because I, I don't think it will ever occur. It a sanctioned NCAA Division One men's sand volleyball. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Never. It's definitely an uphill battle. It was an uphill battle to get women's, and you see how popular it is. It had this popularity and support before it was even sanctioned. Correct. And yet they tried to kill it. Well, and certain forces tried to kill it. And everything takes longer than it should. You look back and like, oh, we should have had this at this point. Well, of course, but it's going to take longer than that. So I don't, I don't, never. I hope you are incorrect, and I know you hope that as well. <laughs> Absolutely, but I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm missing it on this one. Number one team, Pepperdine. That's why I want to talk about it. 6-0. Yeah. Oh, they've been number one. Yeah. They've been trailed by USC. USC is 4-1. and one. They have been in second place. Big mover, Hawaii, up to number three from number five. And this is a poll from last week, from the 19th. 
University of Hawaii up in third, Florida State fourth, Long Beach State fifth, then it's UCLA, Florida International, Nebraska, Georgia State, and St. Mary's. I think one of the most interesting things about this, and the next poll looks like it is April 2nd, so they're running a little bit longer time here with the polls. One of the most, most interesting things about this is one of the areas that adopted sand volleyball the quickest was the southeast, but now you start to see some of the bigger powerhouses get in there. Nebraska has yet to play. They're still ranked 8. I don't understand how that works. St. Mary's also hasn't played, but they're ranked 10th of <laughs> teams that have played, in some cases, as many as 11. Yeah, they are. They were unranked. They're now up to number nine. Uh, but this was a, the area of the country that adopted it first. Now you're starting to see Pac-10, Big Ten, Pac-12, Big yeah. Ten yeah. schools pick it up and be a part of it, and they are quickly on their way to being uh, powerhouses. We talked about Florida State, Danley Corso, the, yeah. the stuff they have down there. They have a really nice program. Um, so I, I say good for volleyball. Do you do you know off the top of your head how many uh, teams there are now in sand? I don't. I can't top remember off the top of my head. I know it doubled from when it first started. Yeah. No, I, I don't know offhand exactly how many there are. I don't know where I would find that for this year. Yeah, it, it's been going up tremendously yeah. in the last few years. Which yeah. is great. I think they're over 40 already, but I'm not 100% certain. I and mean, there's so much chatter about them. You don't even see Cal listed in this top 10, but Cal has a program. Uh, a lot of programs down in that southeast still have a program, the ASUN Atlantic Sun Conference, that our friend Brandon Rosenthal plays in for indoor. Yep. They have a bunch of programs. It's become kind of a dilemma for coaches, though, because you're left to do a lot more work with maybe no more pay. Correct. Or you have some volunteer coaches. You have, but you right. have coaches getting into it now. Like Misty May Trainer. Yeah. Stein Metzger. Stein UCLA. He volunteered with the women. Indoor yep. side with his friend Mike Seeley, and then ended up with the sand job. And uh, I believe Jenny Johnson-Jordan is helping out with that as well. That's excellent. It says here that uh, some Midwest universities are adding Division One men's lacrosse. You think men's volleyball will be easier to add? You'd think. <laughs> you would think. Um, but, yeah, sand is a good deal, and the championships have been fun. Championships have been held uh, down south the last couple of years. Looking for the uh, Collegiate Sand Championships. Let's see. CBS, they've been aired on CBS Sports Network. I did it a couple of years ago. It's at Gulf Shores, Alabama. Really a yep. cool location because you have a beach right there. They play, and across the street, it's like a gigantic bar and restaurant. Yeah. It's awesome. And the beach is nice. Yeah. The yeah. beach is really pretty. Yeah. So they've had it there. I think that's a really exciting thing is to have it there. And this this will eventually be an NCAA championship thing. Right now it's organized by the ABCA, but this will be an NCAA championship because the amount of teams that they're getting into the uh, the league or the participation that's happening, they will have an NCAA sanctioned championship quite shortly here. So good for sand volleyball. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to have College Volleyball Weekly on the other side. We'll get that uh, get that rolling. Can't wait. And then Todd Gorowski, it's on. Game on with the ABP.
Back to the net live here on Volleyball Magazine. We want to make sure we thank our sponsors, Volleyball Magazine, 6-8 Clothing, and who else? The ABCA. Oh, yeah. We're about to do the ABCA right now. Don't forget the ABCA. The American Volleyball Coaches Association has been behind this program for some time, and they are the sponsor of our weekly college volleyball segment. We just talked a little bit of sand, but we're going to talk men's indoor Men's indoor program happening, as we talked about earlier in this program. It is coming down to playoff time. Getting close. We're going to find out if the Midwest really measures up, if the East can make some waves in the national program, or if it's going to be MPSF dominance. We will see a little bit of season remaining. We bring in our experts, guys who are on top of it. Jay Hasek, assistant coach at Penn State. And Rob on the mic, Rob Sparrow, volleyball man extraordinaire. Irvine. Good Dylan. morning, Team, gentlemen. Team Salabim, everyone. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to start something. Was new. that from uh, the Kingdom of Heaven or something? With uh... I was just, I was just trying to do my imitation of what the the driver sounded like when Kevin was up in Canada. I'm just I'm trying to. <laughs> I was wondering if that was coming to America right there. <laughs> it might be. You never know. You never know. All right, boys, talk to, me, talk to me about this past week because uh, Pepperdine appeared to be on the move. Long Beach State had kind of a rough set of outings, Robbie. Oh, yeah. I, you know, it was such a shocker, but it was to your alma mater that they lost to in, in sweeping fashion. I, gosh, it, the numbers, you know, looking at the stat sheet, they, they contain Taylor Crabb, which many teams haven't been able to do this year. But I think more importantly is Taylor Crabb needs help. I mean, that – uh, you have your other outside, your pin attackers hitting a combined like less than 061. You know, Taylor can't do it by himself, especially when Josh Taylor and Parker Kalmbach have just been lighting it up. Josh Taylor had a little funk uh, prior to this last week. Just didn't seem like he was getting um, that many numbers or was playing a little off, but he came off big, 15 kills and 379 against Long Beach State, and Kalmbach uh, chipped in 11. 
and they just were able to shut down the Long Beach attack, which is basically Taylor Crab. You know, if Long Beach just wants to win, they have to get that second, second and third player in there helping Taylor. Well, I love the fact that Josh Taylor wears number 14. He's doing the 14 proud over there at Pepperdine. But uh, he, he's been in a situation where he's had shin splints and stuff that he has not been able to practice. He's been limited to just playing matches, and so that, that perhaps part of the reason he's been rusty. But with Long Beach State, in talking to them a while back, they, they recognize the fact that it is the Taylor Crab show and that they're going to have trouble if nobody else plays well. But it seems that Ammerman and the other guys need to step up routinely, and that has been happening. It seems like they've been playing well enough, and even with teams focusing on Taylor Crab, his performance continues to be absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's it's quite a, a phenomenon to see just how someone who's listed at six one can hit over these six eight six nine blocks or hit around them and see the seams. I mean, that that vision is just it's so such a fun thing to watch when when Long Beach is really competing and Taylor Crab is you know flying out of the back row in the bigs. He's banging away. He's definitely got a great arm swing out of the back row as well. And so everyone's camping on him, but they can't stop him. Yeah, simply remarkable. Uh, Jay, let's talk about your week. You guys lost to Penn State 3-1. Or pardon me, you are Penn State. Lost to Loyola <laughs> Chicago 3-1. If we're, if we're losing to Penn State, we've got other issues we've got to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Your own worst enemy. You need a sports psychologist on your team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but then yeah. you guys went out and beat Lewis 3-1. So kind of a, a mixed week here. Well, you know, we, we, we've just finished three weeks of travel, and the first week being the Ohio State match where we kind of got stung a little bit. We weren't uh, we weren't very crisp, and then we went out to California, and, and, you know, Long Beach, you know, Robbie hit the nail on the head. Long Beach has got you know, one player who obviously stands out, but he's got a lot of support cast around him that need to keep that court 30 feet wide, and against us, they did, you know, and, and like I said, we, we were up 23-21 in the second, and who knows what happens after that, but... You know, when you got players that are that are seasoned and they're and they're you know they're good go-to guys on any given night, they're going to help keep that court open for Taylor. So we get out to Loyola and Lewis, and the first night we come out and win the first game, and we're feeling pretty good. And you know, they just turned it on. Uh, I thought uh, I, I thought Jasky did a nice job on the outside for them. I thought Hutz, their setter, did a nice job distributing. Nick Olson out of the middle was doing some good things. They've got a smaller middle, uh, a kid named Owen uh, Mc, McOwen, I think is his last name. Owen McOwen? Uh, six, uh, no, not Owen McOwen. I think his last name is uh, McAndrews, I think. It's Owen McAndrews. Sorry if I, I like put your name out there if you're listening. But, you know, the kid's 6'5", and, you know, he gets 17 sets, and the kid puts down a couple of kills here and there. And what he does is he just makes your block be that much more honest. And, you know, they're opposite. Smalls are doing a nice job. And, you know, hats off to Loyola. They, Loyola reminds me a lot of Ohio State in 2011 when they won the national championship. They're not flashy. They're not lighting anybody up left and right. But what they do is they just play solid volleyball, and they make you have to play the game. And that's, that's a tribute to them. So, you know, the next night, Going to Lewis, and, and Lewis is a really good team, and they're really dangerous at home. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we just we went in with a good game plan, and we executed across the board, and and uh, and we felt really good about it afterwards. You know, you talk about a, a slugfest. 
nobody on either team hit under 330. Uh, at least it had a, a good number of sets. And you could look at it one of two ways. You could say, wow, that offense was really good. You could say, well, maybe the block wasn't that good. But, uh, you know, both teams just came out, and it was one of those things where it's like a boxing match. One guy swings hard, connects, and the other guy swings back and connects, and you just keep going back and forth. And it was just a fun match to be a part of. And Lewis is still very, very good. And I think Vinny Lopes had made a mention that with that loss, uh, Lewis might be out of the contention for an at-large spot when it comes down to it. Yeah, playoff implications certainly happening all around Loyola. 17 straight wins now. That is a, a nationwide best, 17 straight wins. Uh, you've got to yeah. get in the conference. Carolina's mentioned here. Barton, get there. Uh, and this is courtesy of uh, Off the Block. Once again, Vinny Lopes doing some good good stuff over there. Barton clinches a spot in postseason history or postseason time with King and Lee's McCray wins, and they are in nice. place now in the conference Carolina standings, so they will be in the upcoming conference tournament. May we also give credit to Barnett for being the first one to mention conference Carolinas today. I'm very proud of you, Barney. You're, you're making <laughs> <us> great strides. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we're going to have to give Vinny all credit on this one, uh, offtheblock.com. You're going to check that out. And he, uh, Vinny posted something to get off the block Live, he went to a Kickstarter campaign. He needed yeah. $300. He has $315. So you can still contribute yeah. <laughs> to that and give him a little bit of spending money over there at the uh, NCAA tournament. If you enjoy what Vinny Lopes does for the coverage of the men's game, go over to Kickstarter and find Off the Block live at NCAA tournament. We will try and post that link up on our site here momentarily so you can check <laughs> it out. Make sure you Vinny does so much work for men's volleyball in terms of reporting it and giving scores and, and you know the weekly you know match to follow tonight. Vinny deserves all the credit he gets. He does real hard work for all of us. That's right. Really, yeah, definitely representing for sure, especially the, yeah. the the MIVA. Just getting some good information out to all of us who don't get to track everything as much as much as we'd like. That's right. It's the MIVA and the EVA. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the MIPSIF? Is it the MIPSIF? <laughs> yeah, <it's> the MIPSIF. <laughs> And the kick, the kick in Conference Carolinas. <laughs> I, I love the uh, the risks and challenges on Kickstarter because I've I've been looking at Kickstarter lately. There's some cool stuff out there. I've nearly bought a couple of things and backed a few things. Uh, but the risks and challenges thing is always an interesting read on Kickstarter. And it says the biggest challenge of Off the Block has in providing the most in-depth coverage of the NCAA tournament is the possibility of not being able to cover it on site. Off the Block can successfully. Yeah complete this Kickstarter campaign, it would provide the necessary funds for off-the-block to travel to Chicago for the NCAA tournament. I wonder what, yeah. what the risks are. That's the challenge. What are the risks of, of backing Vinny Lopes? <laughs> I want him to write something up here. You can get on alternate entertainment while at the, in Chicago. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you pledge $30 or more, you will receive a free copy of the book, The Volleyball Debate. This is a paperback. Nice. That you Steve, it's all about the birth of men's volleyball, the Ball State men's volleyball team in the 1960s, and how Don Shondell helped grow collegiate volleyball throughout the Midwest. So uh, get Very out there cool. and back. You'll get an ebook if you donate $10. You'll get a, a paperback if you donate 30 to the cause of Vinny. And he has, he has achieved his goal, but he definitely could use some spending money. You know that $300 is just enough to get there. We want Vinny to be That's able to right. have a nice steak dinner or something because he's putting in some hard work if you're a fan of men's That's volleyball. Right. That's right. That's right. We will get that list up there. Uh, Lewis. Lewis had a rough week, and, and you just mentioned that, Jada. They may, in fact, now be out. They're going to have to win 
the MEVA tournament if they expect to get in. UCLA was idle. UC Irvine was idle. But UC Irvine has some big matches coming up here, Robbie. Yeah. And they are, yes, in, they do. Uh, they are in jeopardy, let's say. Well, you know, I, I, I think that they had took finals week off last week along with the other UC schools. So um, they wanted to keep their heads in their academics first. But they've been practicing since Saturday. So they are getting prepared for Cal State Northridge on Wednesday night, which um, – it's kind of tough with this, this Eater team right now to see how they're going to come out after a long break such as this. Um, they look like they're prepared. I actually got to hang out with the team yesterday. They got recognized at the uh, Viejas Arena for the uh, NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament as the uh, local national champions. So got to get some side conversations with Coach Press Show and Niffin, and you know, they're, they're saying they're getting their guys ready, and uh, they're nice and relaxed after passing all their finals. Uh, they're ready to go, and but I think – you know, what everyone isn't saying is how big the Long Beach match is on Friday night. So Huge. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you've got Long Beach State off of two losses, and, you know, it, it seems like they either they went on spring break or, you know, or others beyond Taylor Crabb went on spring break. But you know they're going to come back big because they have a match at San Diego on Wednesday night, which hopefully will right the ship up and get them going again, which could make Friday night's matchup a pretty big deal. So, um Everyone looks really healthy, and they're recharged after the break. Um, just hoping they can shake off some of the rust before the Northridge match on uh, Wednesday night. Another big news at UC Irvine this past week was the fact that Barack Obama is going to give the commencement address for UC yeah. Irvine for the graduating seniors. So congratulations, uh, Scott Kevorkin, Daniel Stork, uh, Connor Hughes. You're all going to get an opportunity to listen to the president as you graduate, or hopefully graduate. Yeah, it's very cool. They waged a pretty good digital campaign and put out some videos and stuff. You have like a seven foot six center that participated in that. He wanted to play some one on one against Barack. So. Mamadou. That's right. Mamadou Jai. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that kid's awesome. <laughs> Barack Obama stepping into the, uh, the lion's den there in the Republican area of Orange County and Irvine. Look out. <laughs> Uh, Probably be some protesters. Don't want the president giving a commencement address. Come on, it's an honor. Respect the office, please. Jeez. Yeah, had to do it for eight years before that, had to say, well, we need to respect the office. You can do yeah. it. Yeah. Nice. Well, we're, we're going not, the political, political route now. Yet. I like it. I like it. Yeah, let's talk about shows. those MPSF standings, if you don't mind. It, it, you look at. You, look, you mentioned that earlier, and you know BYU and Pepper are one and two respectively, but third place through ninth place are still twelve and six for third place, and ninth place is eleven and nine. I mean that's and, and CSUN, which is pretty close to being done. I'm not sure mathematically if they have it in them to make it, but I mean they're six and, and two, uh, and they're they're having a little bit of a rough stretch here. But eleven and nine to twelve and six, that separates just six teams, and that's crazy. And and, you know, they, these matches coming down to the wire here are really going to make a, a huge impact. As to who, it's going to come down to the last weekend. I really think so. Yeah, Jay, I have to say, though, I'd even go as far as Pepperdine isn't a lock either. No offense, Barney. But hey. they've got a pretty tough schedule to, to follow up. They're going to be at Stanford. They take on USC, who's hot right now. And then they've got to play Hawaii twice, which isn't a, give, a, a given. So, you know, I, I think that every spot except for number one is up for grabs right now. And people on the tail end of that are just saying, hey, we're aiming to, to host the first round. But realistically, 
I think that they could be a, an unexpected second-place team coming in right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Northridge is pretty well out. I would be surprised to see Northridge make, but they can definitely play the role of spoiler. We went over some of the matches that are coming up. Stanford has a pretty tough run here. They have those two important matches against SC and Pepperdine this week, which will go a long ways to determining the possible future standings here, the final standings in the MPSF. And, yeah, it is remarkable, Jay, that it's basically two matches between third and out in that ninth place position. Uh, Very little room for error for these teams. But the the issue for Cal Bat Pacific and UC San Diego has been that they're basically walkovers. And we look at some of the this, this, uh, schedules here for teams, and there are some guaranteed, pretty well guaranteed wins. Uh, of yeah. those three teams, which one do you think could possibly pick up a win or more likely to pick up a win and maybe influence the standings uh, on, down the stretch? Well, you're looking at what? San Diego, Cal Baptist, and UOP. Are those the ones yeah. you're looking at? Yeah. yeah, I think I think EOP is 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 not going to be in the hunt for any type of a W. I, I think Cal Baptist is probably an, an okay bet. Uh, it's between them and San Diego, and I think right now San Diego's probably got a little bit more motivation. They've had a pretty rough year, and so I think they could probably be the ones that maybe steal one away. I'm not sure against two, but uh, I think my best bet would be on San Diego right now. They're well coached, and they're they're you know just a young group of guys this year, and they're just kind of figuring out. Yeah, that sounds about right, because UC San Diego does have the reputation of playing spoiler maker in recent years, so it's definitely one to watch. Good pick. But even even Cal Baptist, you know, they they want to get the wins. This is their 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 first second year in the program. They want to get they want to end on a good note so they can get some momentum going to be a, a good strong member in the MPSF. And you know, Chris Johnson, their six ten middle, you know, he's he's coming off of injury from last year. I, I believe that he still has uh, some good game left in him for the rest of the season. And they've been able to get some uh, quality play out of Johannes Brink. So you know, it's. I think they could they could definitely steal one as well. Well, yeah. it depends on what their situation is as far as suspended players. They've had some uh, detrimental to team conduct issues there at Cal BAP that continue to kind of plague them, so I'm concerned about their ability to do it. Uh, guys, give me some matches to, to watch. I, of course, will be at the Stanford matches, so I'm going to put USC and Stanford, Pepperdine and Stanford on those lists, those incredibly important matches for the MPSF. But uh, besides those two, what else are you looking at? Robbie, go first. Oh, wow. Well, definitely USC at Stanford. Um, but I will go on to say that Long Beach State at UC Irvine is another big one to watch, uh, obviously for, for obvious reasons. You know, uh, Long Beach State coming off of two losses, kind of I thought they were unexpected losses because they were playing so well before those two losses. And UC Irvine relaxed, and they kind of got into a, a pretty good groove before the finals week. Now, I think it's going to come down to how they're going to respond after this break and how they practice this week. And obviously they got, they've, they've got their sights on Wednesday night's match to hopefully shake some of those cobwebs off the, the, the break. Uh, and then the other match that I'm watching will be UCLA at BYU. UCLA's had a tough go as of late, and BYU's hot. And you know, I've, I've read some things about UCLA, about their, their personnel, about uh, some injuries that are key pers- uh, injuries, like Robert Page potentially out the rest of the year. That's, that's right. huge for the Bruins. And BYU, with Taylor Sander breaking the uh, career kill record, taking it from Robbie Stowell from BYU in the rally scoring era, He's been hot, and he's got some great contributing uh, right-side hitters in Henninger and Underwood that have really been playing well. So um, that's definitely – those are the two I'm looking at beyond your USC at Stanford match. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I think the UCLA-BYU match is huge. I think it's uh, huge for one reason and one reason only. With UCLA right now being number six in the MPSF, and literally I think they're one one win or one loss away from dropping out of contention and with um, Robert Page being injured and maybe being out for the rest of the season. He was one of the main components of their go, so to speak. And, I, I, boy, I tell you what, that's going to be a big match for them. So I'll be watching that one. Obviously, I'll be watching the Long Beach UCI match, the Black and Blue Series. I think this concludes it for the year. That's always fun to watch. USC and Stanford, Pepperdine and Stanford are obviously going to be fun. Here's some ones I'm going to be watching on this side of the island, though. I'm going to be watching Erskine and Pfeiffer. One versus three in the Conference Carolinas. Uh, Erskine's had a real nice year. Obviously, they went out and had some nice matches uh, against some EIBA teams earlier in the year. And Pfeiffer, obviously, went out and did some things uh, out west. So we're looking to see what's going to happen in that conference. I'm going to be watching... Uh, George Mason at St. Francis, uh, and those two teams right now are battling for the fourth and final playoff spot in the EIBA. One match separates them both. Right now, St. Francis holds that edge. However, St. Francis has a little bit of a rough schedule ahead of them, and George Mason uh, could easily, well, I don't say easily, but could pull something out here and take over that fourth spot. So I'm going to be watching that matchup. I'm going to be watching Ball State and Loyola. I'm going to be watching IPFW versus Lewis. I'm going to be watching Loyola at IPFW. Loyola on the 17-match win streak, taking it into the house at IPFW. Arnie's Army is very tough at home, and they could, that could be a match that could sneak up on Loyola. And the last one I'm going to be watching is uh, Lewis at Ball State. Ball State's a tough place to play in that giant arena, and Lewis right now is, uh, is in fourth place in that conference, and they're going to need a couple of wins here to help solidify a, maybe a home playoff spot. Ball State has been playing well as of late. The IPFW, the Dons, the Mastodons, right? You know <laughs> yes. Yeah, you better watch the out. The Dons. Remember, we went out and played a tournament in some sort of convention center on concrete and uh, sport court. I'm not sure if that's responsible for my knee problems or not. <laughs> and then uh, Erskine and Pfeiffer, are they the fluffy fighting Pfeiffers? Are we going over they might be. <laughs> they might be. They'll be, they'll like be working with it. With John the Baptist out west. (laughs) (laughs) Fighting Pfeiffers. Well, hey, gents, thanks very much for uh, continuing to get us good information. We hope that Robbie makes it. Here's an update on the poll. Loyola Chicago stays at number one. BYU up to number two from three. Pepperdine up to three from four. Long Beach State takes a drop from two down to four. And you have UC Santa Barbara, Stanford, USC, UC Irvine, UCLA, Hawaii, Lewis, Ball State, Penn State, IPFW and Harvard. Hey, Jay, you're at 13th, not 12th. You better fix that this week. <laughs> yeah, so we've we got to get a couple of wins. Got to get to that 12th spot again. Well, just take it on Lee's McCray or somebody, and I'm sure you can get up to 12th. That'll work out. <laughs> no more Conference Carolina matches for us this year, so unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe John the Baptist or our ladies of the Sister Poor or whoever it is that plays in the Eva. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just kidding, Jay. Don't worry. Yes, I know. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Always All right. We will uh, we'll have a good one, gentlemen. Take care, all. Two weeks' time. All right. Two weeks' Thanks, time. Thanks, guys. All right. Jay and Robbie checking in. Uh, with the discussion about what are the risks associated with uh, donating to Vinny Lopes' campaign, uh, Cam Kerr came up with one. He said that if we donate too much money, Vinny will rage out and get drunk <laughs> and not be able to cover the event. There's a risk. Thank you, uh, Cam. Yes. Actually, I think that's worth 
donating more. <laughs> yeah, that might be better coverage. Yeah. <laughs> we just have to make sure what we need is we need enough money for somebody else to make it with him to make sure he makes the event. And if he covers it drunk, that's okay. Correct. Um, AVP announced their schedule. It's out. It is out. Okay. Um, apparently it hasn't gone on all their social media yet, but it's on their uh, website. You ready? Let's do it. May 30th through June 1st, St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. July 4th through July... Sixth, our good friend Todd will be hosting an event in Milwaukee. July 4th, okay, to the 6th, yeah. That'll be my first time in Milwaukee, by the way. First time that an AVP event has been in Milwaukee since 1998. Yep. Obviously, there were some Cuervo events there, but first AVP event, and I'm sure they're excited for that. There you go. August 8th through the 10th, Salt Lake City, Utah. Utah! Utah! 8th through the 10th? 8th to the 10th, I'll Salt be, Lake City. I'll be in Hawaii then. Well, be, I won't be at that one. That's fine. August 16th and 17th, that would be two days, yep. in case anybody was calculating. Manhattan Beach, California. August 16th and 17th. Now, is that an IMG event? Well, according to the AVP's blog page, they have announced their 2014 schedule along with a strategic partnership with IMG. Ooh, strategery with IMG. Yes. Now, IMG did Manhattan Beach last year and Atlantic City, so there you go. Okay. Cincy. Cincinnati, August 29th through August 31st. Okay. Back at the Linder City Linder City Tennis Center. Is that how you say it? Something like that. Yeah. Yep. Great venue. Great crowd. Love it. Um, September 6th and 7th, Atlantic City, New Jersey. September 6th and 7th. Kids are back in school by then. Yeah, but that was, I believe, the same weekend it was last year. Is this Nathan's and so on happening there at the same time? Hot dog eating contest? Uh, Are we piggybacking something like that? I don't know, but it was was a pretty good tournament last year. I know all the players liked it. Um, It was good. Okay. And then the last event of the year will be in Huntington Beach, September 26th through September 28th. Sheesh. Seven events. That's late. May through September. Last year it was uh, like August through October. <laughs> well, I like the start at the end of May. Well, I'd love to see an April event, but we'll take the start at the end of May. Yeah, and maybe, you know, again, some of this has been uh, slow to manifest itself because of the FIVB schedule. They had to wait for some of that, and I know some of the FIVB events were originally Grand Slams and then changed to not being a Grand Slam, so you had to schedule around that. So they will, uh, you know, start end of May, which is, you know, not bad. FIVB starts end of April for our uh, U.S. players. So they will be hopefully in full form come end of May, beginning of June in St. Petersburg, Florida. There's been some serious upheaval with the Brazilian Federation and the FIVB. Heard a rumor, Kevin. Is that true? According to my sources. Interesting. Can we talk about it? Yeah. Um, we can talk about it. So Ari Gross, has, how do you say his last name? Ari Grossa? Yeah, Ari Grossa. Resigned as the head of the Brazilian National Federation. But still the head of the FIVB. The FIVB. Correct. Over allegations mm-hmm. of improper dealings with sponsors mm-hmm. that included kickbacks, payments, so on. I'm not sure why this is shocking to anyone. I'm not shocked. I don't, I know, this I don't know who is shocked. Standard but. operating procedure. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing is, 
the leak or the information as as we are hearing it about these dealings came from a name everyone will know, Bernardinho, Bernardo Rosende, yep, head coach of the Brazilian national team. Interesting. Seems like there's a bit of a power struggle going on with the Brazilian Federation. A riff, if you will, Kevin? Yeah. There's a lot of money involved here. It's not like the United States. Beef? Like rappers? Would there be beef? Uh, there, there's beef. <laughs> there's, it'll be interesting to see. But I don't think this is news to anybody. Uh, that, that there's money getting kicked back. Um, trust me, uh, this is not the only organization that does this. And I'm not talking just volleyball. I'm talking in life. Strange to me how other IF presidents, international federations, yeah. presidents, mm-hmm. have resigned as multi-millionaires. Oh, yeah. Weird that they have tens of millions of dollars in the bank themselves mm-hmm. at the end of their tenure. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Where could that money have come from? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it is interesting that this is coming out and he's resigned and, and all that has happened. That, I think, is the interesting part. Uh, Cam Kerr posted uh, volleyballsourcemag.com. Check uh, that out. With a, uh, Ari tries to explain his resignation. <laughs> <laughs> it might sound, sound like the explanation I had up last week about Tesla motor cars not being allowed to sell their vehicles because you have to have vehicle sales through a dealership in some of the states in our great nation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the advocate for the dealerships and his reasoning behind that the dealerships are advocates for consumers. (laughs) Yeah, my ass. When was the last time you felt like the car dealer was the advocate for you? Big business is hilarious. Yeah. So same kind of thing. Um, Quick side note on the car thing. I was watching the History Channel over the weekend, and uh, when Henry Ford was building cars, there was a bigger company called um, Alum, A-L-A-M, which stood for something, that they were fighting him because they claimed they owned the patent on automobiles, on all automobiles. So oh. any automobile sold, they were trying to get uh, royalties from. Interesting. They eventually lost that Good strategy. battle, but that was, uh, that was I, I did not know that, and I found that very intriguing. What people don't know is that... Uh, automobiles, when they first came out, there was a huge amount of electric automobiles. Oh, oh yeah. Very popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also at that time, big business was uh, um, the Standard Oil Company, which right. is uh, Rockefeller, by the way, who owned all that. Uh, it's all Rockefellers. Yeah. I watched a very interesting movie this past week, The Armstrong Lie. I watched oh, yeah. it on my way back yesterday. Mm-hmm. This is a film by Alex Gibney, a, uh, a decorated documentarian, to bring back a word from the Seattle show. Documentarian. Documentarian. Yeah. Documentary filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. Started out in 2006 making a documentary about the comeback of Lance Armstrong, about the return of Lance Armstrong to the Tour de France. Yeah, that didn't happen. Well, it happened 2006, 2007. He came back. It was kind of, as the film presents it, perhaps a mistake by Lance Armstrong to come back and try and try and be a part of the Tour de France once again. That was kind of his downfall, but it, it ended up being that they shelved this project for a while and then picked it back up when he had the thing with Oprah. When things finally came out, that Lance was dirty, yeah. and he had to admit it. Yeah, Fantastic film. I recommend it. It's on iTunes. You can rent it for just a few bucks. The Armstrong Lie by Alex Gibney. 
check it out. I think it's a, a, a quite interesting watch. Can't wait. Uh, do we have our guy? Come we on. do. We do. Right on. Sorry, I was drinking the pink real quick, so I had to. I'm thirsty. <laughs> Man, I'm kind of thirsty and hungry today. I need, I need something. Let me get Reese to bring something up here. I'm going to have Reese Barnett make his appearance on the show after after we're done here with Todd. The guys on spring break. Two our weeks. Next, no. Our next guy has been an advocate for volleyball, a passionate volleyball enthusiast. He also likes late model dirt car racing, so you know he's one of my guys. But he is operating Bradford Beach. Out there in the greater Milwaukee area. I've seen some fantastic wintertime photos from them. Got some snowboarders doing some fun stuff. I hope there isn't still snow on the ground, but there may be in Milwaukee because I was back east this week and it's still cold. But the action's going to be hot and the AVP is coming back to Milwaukee. And Todd Goronsky is a big part of that push. He's been on the show before. We always appreciate getting some information from people that are getting it done on the ground for the sport of beach volleyball. Welcome back to the Net Live, Todd Goronsky. Todd. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. What an exciting day, and uh, timing couldn't be any better. So. Yeah, 1998, the last time you guys in the AVP got together. Tell me about getting back and getting July 4th through the 6th, 2014, all set for Bradford Beach. How did, uh, how did discussions start out? Well, um, the short story is this. When I started working on Bradford Beach um, the second time, was in 2000, and the beach was in a really bad spot. Um, and the whole reason, I have to say, um, that I wanted to get the beach going again was to bring Pro Beach Volleyball back to Bradford Beach. It was an iconic event for many, many years. People fell in love with the sport, I being one of them. Uh, I really identified that space for a long time. And... Um, so it took me literally 14 years and working from basically absolutely nothing um, with a very small group of people that were enthusiasts like myself, just sticking with it, uh, working our way up to having regional events and all these different types of things. And then I got lucky enough to host the, the IMG events and uh, then with USA Volleyball for the, the U.S. Junior National Championships. And uh, I like to think that we have earn the right to have a successful professional beach volleyball event that is going to be around for a very long time. Uh, Donald and I started talking about this sometime last October, September, October. October. Um, we've, we've spent, I can't tell you how many hours speaking uh, with not only Donald but his team and then uh, the good folks that will be working with him and IMG. Uh, I can safely say that you could not assemble a better group of individuals that know how to get it done than those people. Um, so I have complete faith based on what we've done at Bradford Beach, what Donald's doing on the national level with the AVP, what IMG can do day in and day out to execute a professional event, that the Pro Beach Volleyball Tour is going to be on solid ground for many, many years to come. Now, it's not just about having the pros on site. You have a whole set of programming that also involves uh, a lot of other people, recreational players of lower levels as well as some juniors players that are going to get an opportunity to be a part of an event that is in association with the pro main draw. Tell us about putting all that together and the attraction for uh, volleyball enthusiasts, players, and participants. I, uh, I really believe that the sport is uh, something that needs to be built from the ground up. Um, I think it's, as we all know, it's really hard to start at the highest level. 
and you know and try and make a go of it. Uh, the, the most impressionable thing I, I believe the AVP offers is that idea that you can actually be part of the game. You can one day work hard enough and become a player who could be on tour. We have a couple of players that have moved through our system in the last several years. Uh, Sheila Shaw, Catherine Babcock, uh, Billy Kalinske, um, who, who have really done it the right way. They started playing at the at the very, you know, the open level, the A-level tournaments, worked their way through, started getting better, started winning, winning nationally on a grassroots level, then starting to do the qualifiers, making their way through, and now they're on the pro tour. I want to provide that same idea for all our junior players, for all our collegiates, for all our grassroots players, that you can be part of that event. You can one day be in that event. So my feeling is is that we're going to take all these things that we have, the juniors, the collegiate, the grassroots, and we're going to give everybody an opportunity to be part of it. And I know that that's somewhat of a unique situation compared to other tour stops, but um, we're working hard with the AVP to kind of create that pipeline, and, and that's hopefully one of the events that's going to give a, a glimpse as to how you can do it. Yeah, I love the fact that you are providing a framework for people to get into or a pipeline for people to get into if they want to go further in the sport of all, because you also have the qualifier on July 3rd. So you're providing both a glimpse for adults and recreational players just to know and to see, for youth players to know and to see where they could go. Then also you're providing a qualifier element to get into the main draw. Yeah, the I think the thing, you know, I mean, I as a, as a fellow player, I still play. I understand the, the plights that all these players go through, not being able to make enough money and not being able to, you know, have enough opportunities to maybe play at the very, very highest level. So that, that weekend, 4th of July weekend, if you're a player who wants to spend time with us in Milwaukee, we're going to give you probably three opportunities to play and make some money back. So if you don't make it through the qualifier, which we all know how hard that is, you'll have a chance to play the next day on the 4th of July. And you're going to be playing on equipment and, and formats that are exactly the same as the pros do. I'm very uh, adamant about things being as perfect as I can make them. The, so that will be great for the grassroots. But then for the juniors and the collegiate players, what I intend to do is create something for them that makes it feel like a professional event. They're going to play with officials. They're going to play with ball shaggers. They're going to, do, they're going to, be, they're going to have access to trainers. We're going to do this in a, a controlled manner. It's not going to be 400 teams like when we do the Junior National Championships. We'll have a, a set amount of registrations that we can accept, but we're going to make sure that we're going to raise the bar and give people a quality experience that we hope becomes a huge impression point moving forward. I like it. I like that you're giving people a look at this and, and a knowledge of where to go. It's one of the funny things about my business, Jeremy, and perhaps yours, where you don't necessarily know a path. Correct. And it's not necessarily clear, but in here, that's starting to get provided. Uh, Todd, tell me about the continued growth of beach volleyball and the use of Bradford Beach on a regular basis. Um, we literally have something for everybody. Uh, we have a complete junior beach program with, with some really good certified coaches uh, that also still actively play. Uh, so we have probably about 150 kids in the program. Then I run a, a league that uh, will have upwards of 500 teams, so roughly 3,000 people that will play at the beach each week. 
And then we run a grassroots beach volleyball series that, you know, it's everything and everybody, every skill level. Um, and it's really grown. You know, we, we run, as you mentioned in the opening, we run a winter series of events. We've been doing that for almost 20 years. This was the first winter that we sold out every single event. And we have, you know, we have a blind draw, Calcutta. We have doubles of all varying levels. We had 14-year-old we had and 12-year-old girls actually competing and winning our women's B division. So I'm wow. not going to say that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And, and you know, finally, I, I really feel that we're turning an important corner where we've created programs that people are actually looking for. They're traveling to our events. They're supporting what we're doing. We're trying to give them value back through different ways. And I just fully intend to keep doing that. We're going to be opening up, uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk about this, a second beach location in Milwaukee where we'll be doing more programming and really just making the sport accessible and do, you know, do the best we can with it. If people are out there and are looking in another part of the United States to open a similar type of business, what do you think are the critical things you have to have to keep the attraction to the fans, to the adults, to the youth? What does the ideal situation look like for elements I, of a business? I, I had this, this uh, conversation with the guys that run the, the events up in Minnesota last week, and I really enjoyed the, the beach report. Um, I listened to that probably five or six different times to segments and things. I think that guy said some really brilliant things. I focused on a public space that was not being used, a park. And I focused on what was the one thing that fit in that park that I knew something about, which was volleyball. I think you could take that idea and go, if you're a promoter, if you're a, someone who wants to give back, you, could, you can talk to your local pol- your, your political group, whoever your politician, how the city or county set up your parks department and say, hey, I want to claim that volleyball court in that park you know i want to put in the sweat equity and fix it up i want to program and i want to run some leagues the great thing about volleyball it's the most amount of people you can fit in the smallest spot and typically the people are fairly responsible and you can do some good things and you can deal with kids and adults and and you can transform that space i don't see why we couldn't do that all over the United States, there's parks with volleyball courts in them that just need a little bit of love and a nice net on them. And someone, you know, you talk to Dave Culpepper, one of the guys from the AVP, to help you with building the court the right way. I think if you can create a quality space, people will use it. And uh, that's all we did at Bradford, and I think you can do it in a lot of places. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff right there. I think that that's important for a lot of folks, and that maybe. Maybe an opportunity to make a couple of bucks on the side if you're running successful tournaments and having people participate in your events. Yeah, we've had I've had a number of cities call me about, hey, why don't you come here? Why don't you do this? And I, um, to be perfectly honest with you, I um, I have a regular I have a regular job, and uh, I have a family, and I'm pretty, you know, I travel a lot for my regular my regular job, so I don't have time to really be floating all over the place. And I'm also very cognizant of the people that live in those areas that might be doing it already, you know, the Chris Browns of the world and, and Rich Hylas and the guys that are re- promoters I really respect. I don't feel I want to go into their neighborhood and set up shop. I'd rather work with those guys, which is kind of what we did with Volley America, to work together and build a bigger program and, and then share expertise and thoughts and how we can do this better. Um, 
you know, I don't think we're, we don't do a lot of bandwagon, you know, get up and promote ourselves kind of stuff. I think we just are feet on the ground making it happen. And so, yeah, we could probably recruit a few more people to do this, but, you know, unfortunately it's a lot of work and some people don't like to do a lot of work, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it is, it is certainly a lot of work, yeah, no especially when you have another job. It's a whole lot of work and a family. You're up against the same things we were talking about earlier in the show as it relates to volleyball athletes and the challenges they face uh, to keep their career going and their families going and so on. But, uh, Todd, we yeah. certainly appreciate what you're doing for the sport and hope that you're getting out to a, a late model dirt race every now and again as well. Mm-hmm. When, the, when the ice is gone, yeah. Well, actually, there's one this weekend. I don't know if we're going to go or not, but um... – no, I, I just I really appreciate, you know, the fact that Donald and the AVP and the, the folks at IMG believed in us, and um, we're going to do good for the sport. You know, so if folks are uh, thinking about getting out to see an AVP event this summer, um, I think we're going to have a really neat event. Uh, it's also the same time as Summerfest, which is like our version of uh, South by Southwest or, you know, or Coachella, it's a huge music festival at night that's literally like two miles down the road. And um, so, yeah, I, I think I, uh, uh, Roche, you're gonna you're coming out this summer, right? Are you doing all the DJ stuff? I uh, contracts have not been signed, but uh, that is the impression I'm under. It's looking good. Yes, and it will be right. my first and time there. I'm is, excited about it. Yeah, yeah, and now we can get Barney to come uh, home for the weekend with his family and bring him up to Milwaukee, and yeah. we can maybe do a show or something. That would be great. There we go. Put it in the budget. I'm That's in. all you have to do. Well, <laughs> Todd, if, if folks want to buy tickets, get in for more information, uh, know more about Bradford Beach and the programming you have there, as well as the AVP event that's coming there, uh, give them some place to go. Uh, the AVP tour will be taking care of all the tickets and tour particulars at avp.com. If they want to learn about all the things we do at Bradford Beach on a regular basis, they can go to bradfordbeachjam.com or visit us on Facebook. All right, get out there and do it. Become a part of the volleyball programming there. If you are in the Milwaukee or Chicago area, it is not far to get to Bradford Beach and be a part of what Todd Gronsky has put together. Todd, congratulations on the success. We wish you continued success and hope to see you this summer. Thanks, man, for the time. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good show. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks, Todd. All right, Todd Gronsky checking out Bradford Beach. Remember that event coming up uh, in association, well, at the same time as Summerfest, July 4th through the 6th. They also have a variety of youth and adult events you can participate in. So you don't just show up and watch the pros. You can show up and participate as well as watch the pros. And if you're of level enough, maybe try and qualify. Nice. On July 3rd, give yourself a chance on the qualifier. I've heard nothing but good things from players, fans, Dustin Dustin Abel, who has been there, uh, about what um, Todd is able to uh, do there at Bradford Beach. Milwaukee, underrated city, too. Correct. Fun city in the summer. Don't go in December. But... (laughs) July, July will be nice. Depends on what you're looking for. If you want to be freezing and cold, sure, go in the winter. Then go. Yeah, yeah go ahead. More power to you. Yeah, uh, but I have an aunt and uncle there. Spent a lot of time in Milwaukee. Really a no. cool city. I I like Milwaukee a lot. I dig it. Hey, uh, update for those that were wondering with Six Eight Clothing Company, our new sponsor that has come on board. If you put in TNL ten, TNL ten, TNL ten will get you ten percent off. Yep. Of your purchase up there at 68clothingcompany.com. Remember, that's six, the word six, the number eight, and then clothingcompany.com. And, and we, this is... I apologize. Yep. We have... Uh, I posted that on our uh, Facebook page, so those of you listening to the podcast, you can go back to our Facebook page, and the link is there. And it's an easy find, TNL10. TNL10 is the coupon code. And listen, 68clothing understands the challenges you face in trying to find jeans that are long enough and still current 
in the fashion area. I can go to the tall men's store and find something that just makes me look terrible. Mm-hmm. But these are good, high-quality denim jeans. They understand how tough it is to find a trendy polo or button-up that's long enough without being six miles wide. 6-8 Casual Clothing Company is designed by a tall man for a tall man. At 6-8 Clothing Company, we got your back. All 39 inches of it. Nice. TNL 10. Yes, TNL 10. Dress Done. well, live tall. 6-8 Clothing Company, available at 68 Clothing Company. I'm excited, and good for them. Yeah, you've seen the stuff here. I've yep. got it on right now. As a matter Saw of you in their booth at the convention in Seattle. I've been, I've been wearing their stuff uh, all weekend. If you see me on Supercross well Live, I'm going to modeling for them. And let's, let's get something clear. You paid for the clothing when you were oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you bought it. I so bought it. Wasn't it wasn't like it was given to you. You liked it so much, you purchased it. I paid retail. Correct. I, I like the yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, correct. So I, and I love promoting companies and having companies behind our show that we truly enjoy, oh, that absolutely. we support. So please get out there and support them. We want this to be a win-win for us and for them. They are advertising here with our program. So you got to do it. I posted a lot on our Facebook page today. 6-8 clothing, AVP schedule, um, the Ari Grassa article um, by Cam Kerr. Mm-hmm. Put that on there. There is a lot, some stuff a lot going on. There's, there is a lot going apparently. on. Apparently. We kind of said earlier there wasn't, but there is. And you should watch the Armstrong Live. Check it out. Netflix? Give it a watch. No, uh, iTunes. Ah, oh, gotcha. Um, before we have our... We our have, next guest? Well, there's yeah. somebody in the queue. You may know him. Uh, I don't know if he's just listening. Reed? What's up, gentlemen? Yeah. He probably wants to talk about Champions League. Or golf. I'm sure he's golfing. Yeah, we don't... Uh, I've, we've had enough golf talk. <laughs> we talk about Supercross on the show. We don't talk... Golf... Motocross is the new golf. That's, that's all you need to know. Reed, I've you sent me some... The uh, shows. You the shows are great. Here on Champions League. Yeah. You sent me some good stuff on Champions League. Happened this past weekend. Champions League finals went on. We want to wish congratulations to Belgorode. Russian champions. Is that right? Yeah. They beat the Ankara Turkey team? My goodness. Ankara, now, yeah. If you go down the roster of these two teams, very interesting rosters. First of all, the roster for Belgorod, mostly Russian, but they do have Georgi Grocher, who we've seen here in the States before playing for Germany. They have Dragan Travitsa of Italy, who we've seen here playing in the States. Impressive pronunciation. A couple of uh, foreigners. Then you have Matej Kaziski, who you've also seen here in the United States. And if he gets back on the Bulgarian national team, you could see him this year. But he's had some issues with the Federation. Had a Brazilian in there, an Italian on this Turkish squad, as well as a Greek, uh, Surtis, playing for them. Uh, so no Americans represented in the finals, Reed, but there were some Americans in the semifinals, as I recall. Yeah, you know, I think the most notable thing about the weekend was the MVP, Sergei Tatukin. And uh, we've talked about him before on the show. And I just fired over a bunch of uh, just quick stats that you could probably read off. But uh, I got him right here. Go for it. Candidate for player of the century. I'm on board. Sergei oh. Tatukin. He's 39 years old. Olympic gold medalist 2012, Olympic silver 2000, Olympic bronze in 2004 and 2008. That's four medals for those counting at home. He's got four Champions League titles. He has 10 Russian Super League championships, awarded Best Athlete of Russia in 2012, and commander, what does it say here? Commander of the Order of Vachalskivov Platonov 2012. What does that read? I'm not sure what that is, but I think it's a big deal. I mean, this is like uh, invite <laughs> like you to the Kremlin, and we're going to put a medal on your 
on your yeah, chest. Yeah, it sounds like something that comes with a pinning ceremony from Vladimir Putin. Definitely. And uh, he was player of the uh, he was athlete of the year in 2012 for all of Russia, all sports. Um, yeah, a, a remarkable phenomenal. player. And and those that don't know, Sergei Tatukin early in his career involved in a pretty nasty car crash in Italy with uh, opposite player whose name is jumping out of my head right now. Uh, Ayakovlev. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and at one point, they weren't sure if he was going to be able to walk correctly again, much less play volleyball. Had a pretty nasty back injury. But maybe that's the kind of thing that makes you think about your body and makes you take care of your body and, and makes you find yourself at 39 years old being the MVP. You know, it's I, I've been able to play with him for a season. I've played against him for whatever the last... 14 seasons, and um, I think that uh, it's just what, what's impressive is just uh, he's just a very talented player in all facets of the game, and the thing about him is that you can tell he reaches another level when he is, you know, wanting to win. You can, you can see it, and he's one of those players that um, win or lose, it doesn't change his life. And I'm, that's what fascinates me about him as an athlete is he doesn't seem to have his identity or pride or ego sort of wrapped up into the results. And funny enough, here we are talking about how he could, I don't know, player of the century, I think, uh, is a shoe-in for me, for my vote. Um, now, when you start comparing players of the century to get a player of the millennial or whatever, He's got to be up there. I mean, the most decorated player that, that I can think of uh, on the indoor side. And it's just really fun to watch. And he's a true team player. And um, and that, I think that's what I loved about him the most, playing with him. Is it, it, I mean, he's going to go hard, and he's going to try his best. And he's uber competitive, crazy athletic. But a loss doesn't change his life. He, he doesn't sulk. <laughs> he doesn't... Uh, <laughs> He doesn't feel less about himself, and I just think that uh, I think that's special, and I think that's what separates him um, among the best. Yeah, and I think those that watched the 2012 Olympics may think about Mikhailov at the opposite or the switching of middle blocker to the opposite position. Yeah. What, what's his name again? It's jumping out of my head, Reed. Musterski. Uh, he was on that Musterski. team that one yesterday too. Yeah. Yeah, Dmitry Musterski. Musterski. Mikhailov. Everyone's got a name, <laughs> but. Uh, so much attention paid to that. Really, what powered that team when they needed a side out, when they needed something, when they needed something to happen, or they had to have a play in the back row, the guy that's there is Sergei Tatukin. Guy is a remarkable volleyball athlete, volleyball player, all-around talent. And you can tell he's been facing seven-foot blocks in practice every day because he constantly hits high hands deliberately and is the most irritating thing in the world as a walker. <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty special individual. Happy to see him uh, play, and, and not surprised that they were down 22-18 in the fourth set with him going back to the service line. He hits a, a trickler ace. Um, then he uh, they get a uh, an error, forced error. Um, then he hits another ace, uh, power ace. Then he gets two digs, and the next thing you know, it's 23-22, <laughs> Belgrade. Um, and they eventually go on to win the fourth set. But pretty special. But all around, it looked like a great volleyball weekend. Um, Matt Anderson playing for uh, Kazan was, I think, the sole American representing uh, the Final Four. They didn't have a great weekend, and I've been 
trying my best on all sorts of different machines to ex- uh, access that match, but Laola maybe got too much attention this weekend, and their servers uh, seem to be struggling. <laughs> but uh, I have no report on that. But um, you know, always fun to watch this tournament. In my mind, it's the one of the greatest uh, volleyball events uh, yearly, and just a really special uh, tournament. Yeah, I know Brooke Billings was lamenting the fact there wasn't an American call happening of these matches because the level is so high. You look at uh, you mentioned the, the team of Matt Anderson; they lost to Ankara in the semis. It Belgaro breezed through Trentino on the other half, three zero, fifteen, twenty, and twenty two. That was quickly, uh, but this is some incredibly high-level volleyball happening in Europe, and it would be great for the United States to get, get exposed to it. I know BN Sports has had some Italian A1 coverage mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. I, don't, I haven't seen anything this year, but I haven't come across uh, BN. I think they're somewhere on my, on my dial. I saw them somewhere, but uh, there is a little bit of coverage available here in the States, but certainly not enough if you are an international volleyball fan. And if you're a volleyball fan, you should become an international fan. The level is incredible. Yeah, I watched a match on BN. I think we talked about it before, and um, I sent them an email immediately, and uh, they haven't gotten back to me. (laughs) They might need some help with their announcers. But (laughs) the money that I heard was being paid, eh, maybe you have an issue. Get what you pay for. Yeah. Well, Reed Pretty, thanks for checking in, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, good stuff. Good show, and uh, enjoyed listening to it. Have a great week, guys. All right, good job, good stuff from Reed Pretty there on Champions League. So congratulations, Belgorod, once again, winning Champions League. The stats you read off from that guy are ridiculous. <sighs> yeah, insane. Four medals. That's enough right there. Four medals. Two bronze, one silver, one gold, right? Four Champions League titles. Most prestigious club championship you can win. Yep. Ten. Ten. One zero. Russian championships. Yep. Best athlete of Russia. Best athlete. Now, level player. Athlete. Okay. 2012. Ridiculous. And he received some sort of large medal pinned on his chest. The commander of order of Vacheslav Platinov. The I'm really good medal. Yeah. <laughs> the I am amazing medal. Yeah. Uh, quick programming note here for USA Volleyball. Uh, a gentleman that uh, I know... Over there at USAV, uh, Andy Pye worked at USA Volleyball for a number of years, recovering from uh, apparently brain tumor surgery. And I only discovered this through uh, social media this morning. Almost out of ICU there in Colorado. Uh, so our thoughts and, and good wishes go out to Andy Pye and for his speedy recovery yes. uh, out there from uh, brain tumor surgery, which apparently was successful. So uh, good for him on that. And I uh, hope that things continue to get better for Andy, a longtime advocate and passionate volleyball person yeah. who has made volleyball uh, his work over the last 10 years. So Andy Pye, get well from the Net Live. I want to bring in our next guest. He's been waiting patiently around the house, probably playing Minecraft. Pacing. He is a, he is around a, the house. a young volleyball athlete. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he's been playing some pepper in the front yard with his dad. No. He's do you been, play? Hold on, hold on. Do you play pepper? We've, we've peppered. No, 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 but do you play pepper or do you just pepper? That's a good question. You know what I'm saying? You can play pepper. Are you sure? Yeah, because if you take pepper and you make like little games out of it and stuff, then you're playing pepper. If you're just peppering for something else, that's you're just peppering. Okay. Continue. But you can play pepper if you're Continue. playing some games with pepper. Continue with your intro while I give you some music. He is perhaps 
a budding superstar at Chadwick, nearby Chadwick. A great history and volleyball legacy for the Chadwick Dolphins on the Isle of PV. This kid is five foot four and growing huge. He's left-handed. That's going to be a lot to deal with at the net. The angles, he's going to hit it all over the place. You better watch yourself. He's not afraid to throw a left-handed layup in either, and he will dunk. Even if it's on the small rim in his room, he will go bed, dunk. He will go reverse jam on you, need be. He lives in this house. He listens to that live entirely too much. He may have been responsible for shouting penis on a previous episode. Perhaps not. We're not sure if it was him or his brother. We welcome into the net live for the first time, Reese Barnett. Hi, Reese. Hi. Pull the mic a little bit closer. There you go. Hey. Welcome into the Net Live. Thanks for being here. Sure. It's nice that you got out of school today just to be on the Net Live. Yeah, hey, we uh, we skipped school. We said, hey, he has a broadcasting commitment. He has an appearance. He's been booked. So he's not allowed to go to school. This is about my future. School is not. (laughs) (laughs) So, Reese, you've had a little bit of touch with volleyball here, right? You've had an opportunity to play some volleyball up at school. Uh, well, you think your mom's name is actually a CIF champion banner there in the gym, in the gym yeah. and the same coach still present. Yeah. So what's it like playing volleyball when uh, when you've kind of grown up in a, in a house that has entirely too much volleyball talk? Do you enjoy it? Yes, but it's more pressure. Mm. Hmm. You. Because <laughs> <laughs> your dad has photos of himself playing volleyball posted up in your room? No. No, oh, okay. Have you ever seen a video of your dad playing volleyball? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't know if we've shown those around. One here. in Greece. Oh, you've mm-hmm. seen the semifinals against Greece, right? Yeah, we we don't have routine screenings of like random saying, USA Japan matches. Is that here. family fun day on Sundays? <laughs> like you just sit your kids down and make them watch you play volleyball? You will watch this. <laughs> oh, but Reese, uh, so you're one of these youth sports guys we talk about a lot. What uh, what kind of sports do you like, and why do you like? Because you've played soccer, played some basketball, you've played flag football, you've dabbled in a little bit of volleyball. We have summer coming up here. What makes you want to play one sport or another? Depends on the season. And, like, if they're both in the same season, I'll choose one that I like to play better or I'm better at. Do you like, do you pick a sport that you're better at to to go and play? Or is it uh, just something you're interested in or maybe with friends? Yeah, sometimes friends have influences on it. Okay, because we talk a lot about youth volleyball here on this program and a lot about kids choosing to play volleyball, why or why not they would choose to play volleyball. It seems like maybe if your friends play, you might end up playing more. Yeah, a little bit. I'm just not very good. <laughs> it's <laughs> a tough game, huh? I'm football and basketball. What, what is it about volleyball that's so tough? I don't know. Probably just jumping. I can't jump that high. Not it, like 40 inches or something. Yeah, not, not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> That's the key thing. Not yet. Uh, we have a very serious question from the message board. Uh, do you wish that your dad would bring you juice boxes and fruit slices more after your games? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, volleyball is a tough sport because you have to jump and then do something. Correct. And just to to get that down is fairly difficult. Now, are you being 5'11", that you are already. Um, are you taller than most of your friends in school? Um, most of my friends are around the same height. Interesting. Maybe a little bit taller, a little bit shorter. I was always the short one in school, Kevin. Just like I am in your household all of a sudden. Even with Reese here. Yeah, guy's almost He's towering. creeping He's almost you. towering over me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Reese, you're in sixth grade here at Chadwick. 
And I, I wonder, what, what are sixth graders into these days? Do you, do you guys do a lot of computer games, a little computer games? Do you like to play outside? If, you, if you're just hanging out, what, uh, what do the youth of America like to do here? Play outside, play football, play basketball, shoot around. What kind of basketball games? Mostly. Yeah? I like that he said play maybe, outside. Maybe like a full court game or a half court game. Mostly knockout, though. Have you ever played a volleyball video game? No. Ooh, we gotta fix that, man. We do. You know what we should have in our incoming TNL studio? Yeah. When we get a better space, we we in, need in to have years? when we get one in ten years. Yeah. Well, Jay's gonna get us. His buddy's gonna hook us up, right? Okay. With a good price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On on a machine. Yeah. My buddy has the beach volleyball one, the big Beach Kings one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the four players and stuff, we need to have a selection of that stuff. We should have a Genesis with the old indoor game. We we don't really need the Xbox one where it was like extreme beach volleyball chicks or something like that. I forget what it was, but we, we don't need that one. But we need a selection of good volleyball games and volleyball movies happening. You should see if you could find a, a game on like the eBay or something for like the Nintendo. Yeah. You probably could get one pretty pretty cheap. Super Volleyball. Yeah. I think it was called. Super Spike Volleyball yeah, was the, the one Nintendo. on Genesis. Yeah. That would be good. You've been kind of delving into Minecraft and stuff, which is like 8-bit Terraria, and yeah. that's all 8-bit stuff. It's kind of low-res stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you like about that? I don't know. It's just a lot of fun to play. and It's kind of like a thing where you have to level yourself up and get better and better to be like the best throughout beating things and stuff like that. Challenges and whatnot? Challenges. Sounds like a volleyball career. And they they had like a test where they had people play like an hour and a half or so of video games a day for 30 days. And, like, that kind of stuff, it levels up your... It makes your problem-solving better. Interesting. See that? It is a scientific test. So, kids, don't do homework. Play video games. An hour and a half a day. That's a lot. You know how many times that's been quoted in here? Of course it has. But, Dad, i got to get my hour and a half of video gaming in before I go to bed. It makes my problem-solving skills way better. Yeah. (laughs) And they didn't do it on kids. They did it on adults. Interesting. Now, Chadwick, for those that don't know, Chadwick actually has an exceptional women's volleyball, or girls volleyball at that level, I guess, girls volleyball program. They've been in the CIF the last couple of years, CIF, which is the regional divisional championships here in Southern California. It's a small private school, but they have been recruiting some really good kids and playing at a very high level. Have you been to a women's or men's or girls or boys volleyball match, Reese, for Chadwick yet? Yes. A couple years ago, we went into the CIF one. Oh, that's right. When they won since, what was it, the last time, the first time since, what, 1982? First time since your mom won, I think. Yeah, which is 1991. 91. 91. Yeah, so Reese has grown up in a volleyball household here. I like it. Do you have any questions you've been wanting to ask Reese about about having to deal with uh, having to deal with uh, your father? Um, Besides volleyball, are you into moto and stuff too? Because your yeah. dad is. Yeah. Yeah. You have like one of your own bikes in the garage, right? Yeah. Interesting. I like to ride. You like that better than other sports, or? No, I probably like. I think I like basketball more. Basketball go too. I have a lot of fun on doing basketball. Now, your dad has coached you in flag football, correct? Yes. How uh, how is that dynamic when uh, you're out on the field and your dad's uh, yelling at you from the sidelines? He doesn't yell at me. Just because he can't do that. <laughs> he wants to set a good example but for the other it, parents. It puts more pressure on me to do better because he's my coach, yeah. not some other coach. 
because the other kids on the team expect more of you because your dad's coaching? Yeah, gotcha. pretty much. What position did you play? Quarterback, wide receiver, a little bit of running back. Oh, so all the uh, glory positions, I see. Nice. Kid's an athlete. Yeah, You can't no keep doubt. an athlete down. Um, but my really burning question is, who named the cats that you guys got, your new ones? My brother. Interesting. It's ham and cheese? What are they called? Ham and cheese. Ham and cheese. One was going to be cheese, so you had to have something to go with cheese. Because gotcha. well, a couple of years ago, he, he was like, when he, like, he first got his iPod or something, like the first test text message he said was when am i going to get cheese then he drew a <laughs> then he drew a picture of the cat and it's, it's like a good cheese barnet yeah. still hung up in his room old cb barnet. cb nice. cheese barnet nice there's a good question here what are reese's favorite sports teams oh yeah the green bay packers and the oklahoma city thunder there you go packers because well i have family in wisconsin okay. and i like the packers i like aaron rodgers yeah and the Thunder, just because Durantula is really good, or the Slim Reaper, or whatever. I, I like either of those nicknames. The Durantula is great. Yeah, Slim Reaper is also very yeah, good. Yeah, for sure. You like Westbrook too. He's re-injured that knee though. That's not good. They're a fun team to watch. I think uh, it's gonna be interesting. Albocephalosha. Uh, mm-hmm. They're a good team. Reese, how many Perfect. times has your dad said, "If you're not winning, you're not doing a good job"? How many times <laughs> have you ever heard me say that? Great. Parent. Never. Great parenting. That just, that's what they like to call. Great parenting. <laughs> you didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. There, now you've heard it once, Reese. Yeah. Well, Reese, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, buddy. Two we weeks of two weeks of spring break. Yeah. Two weeks, Kevin. Now we have no show next week, Reese. Because where, of where are we going to be? Washington D.C. Yeah, we're going to be at the Smithsonian. WWE. Maybe we'll talk to Canyon Seaman. Hopefully he listens to the show. He can give me a call this afternoon. Are they in Washington while you're there? Yeah. Monday. Yeah. Perfect. Like the week we're there. Like cool. I, was, I was just looking at the schedule. And it's like the week we're there, they're in Washington, D.C. Perfect. We're going to see about going. See if nice. Canyon can hook up some sort of backstage experience. Or it's not if like can... we're going to a museum. It's, eight from, it's from 8 to 11 o'clock. And if he can put you guys in the ring and if your dad can get body slammed, that'd be <laughs> that would be ideal for the By show. the big show. Yeah, that would be ideal. I will make sure and insult Triple H and the authority. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Randy Orton. Randy Orton, exactly. Batista. But see, see how much... I mean, I know all this now. Daniel Bryan, John Cena. There's a lot going on. Oh, yeah. Man, he's Ray coming Mysterio. this morning. Biggie Langston. Mark Henry. We'll have to do our WWE Mondongo. podcast later. Yeah, so... Sheamus. You know a little bit about Christian. WWE, then. <laughs> All right. Reese, thanks for being here on the show. Appreciate it. Sure. Good looking out. Hey, uh, remember, we have a new sponsor, 6-8-Clothing. That is the word six at the number 8clothingcompany.com. You can visit them. You can pick up clothing for the tall and athletic man in your life or boy. If you have a team, if you have players that you know are looking for clothing, 6-8 is the place to go. You want to go and visit them and pick up a set of jeans, which I am currently wearing, and I have been wearing quite a bit, or you can also pick up some of their fashionable shirts that they have. This is 6A Clothing Company. They're based out of Seattle, Washington. Everything is made and designed there in Seattle, designing and producing casual clothing for the tall and athletic man. No longer do you have to wear a shirt that is twice as wide as it needs to be just because you're tall. No more do you have to push your jeans down and show your butt crack. To make your inseam appear somewhat normal. No more do you have to roll up your sleeves on your so-called long-sleeve shirt. So dress well, live tall, 68clothingcompany.com. Remember, enter TNL10. Get your 10% off discount and get that stuff shipped to you today. I want to thank uh, Todd Goronsky for coming on and congratulate the AVP on the announcement of their 
upcoming schedule, including Milwaukee, St. Petersburg, Salt Lake City, Manhattan Beach, Cincinnati, Atlantic City, and Huntington Beach. Seven events that you can go out and see. We will continue to follow the Ari Grassa story, the developing story there, where he has resigned as president of the Brazilian Federation. He is still president of the FIVB. Thanks to Jay and Ravi for their information on College Volleyball Weekly. Thanks to the ABCA and Volleyball Mag for their continued support of this program. And we will see you in a couple weeks' time with a new show, and I'm sure a lot more information about the college playoffs and what's happening there. And as always, some fun chatter about the world of volleyball. For Jeremy, I'm Kevin. We'll see you later.